Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Get a creamy Oreo frappe or McCafe smoothie for less with 20% off any purchase of $10 or more. Only on the app. Limited time only at participating McDonald's. Valid one time per day. Visit McDonald's app for details. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hey, y'all. It's me, Whitney Cummings, with your favorite soothing voice. <laughs> try, not to, try not to fall in love with me. Say what you want about me, but you can't say that I don't know the truth. It's the honest truth. When your guy looks hot, he feels good, okay? That's the honest truth. And let's just say it, okay? That confidence makes him look better, and I'm so excited because today's episode is brought to you by True Classic. It is a brand that makes clothes for men that don't embarrass their girlfriends and wives. <laughs> this brand makes menswear that actually fits in all of the right places. No more soupy sleeves or sandpaper fabrics that exfoliate your face when you two cuddle. <laughs> he can go swim in the ocean without looking pregnant. <laughs> True Classic is completely different than other men's shirts. Not only do the V-necks not go down to your belly button for absolutely no reason, but this is a closer fit in the arms and chest to highlight your guys' best assets and a little room in the torso to keep things cozy and streamlined. Plus, all of their styles are super, super soft and affordable. Out with the old ratty t-shirts he's been hanging on to since varsity volleyball. You've got to get these for the man in your life. This is a gift he will actually love. Love. We have an exclusive deal for our listeners. We want to hook you up with some true classic for a limited time only. Get, oh my God, 25% off with the code Whitney at trueclassic.com. You know how wearing the right bra can make all the difference in the world? It's the difference between when, you know, it rains, you get a promotion or not <laughs> for us. But for guys, the right t-shirt fitting. It could be like the right bra fitting for the gals. Now it's time to figure out the right shirt. Okay. True Classic does it. They've done all the work for you. Don't be a dork. Just do this. Get 25% off. I'm telling you, True Classic will take like a seven to a nine, frankly, as far as I'm concerned, because then I also know you make good choices. 25% off trueclassic.com promo code Whitney. Free shipping included in purchases over $100, 100% whisk free guarantee with a 30 day baton policy. True Classic, you're that good. Get 25% off at True Classic with promo code Whitney at trueclassictees.com slash Whitney. Hashtag True Classic. Pod. <laughs> so dumb. I'm going to get to Howie Mandel in one second. Hi, everyone. Bop, 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 bop. I just wanted to give some context for the Howie Mandel interview. It was one of my favorites uh, we've done because he is so brilliant. He is so eloquent and also just so ridiculously funny. And it just goes back and forth from super interesting and insightful and poignant to like super funny and ridiculous. And, um, you know, I think that we addressed this in the interview, but I think that, you know, growing up with Little Monsters and, and you know, movies he was in and knowing him as a comedian. And then, you know, I, I relate to this, the idea of being like, you know, 
a sort of a really funny comic and then you end up doing, you know, network television. He was on, you know, Deal or No Deal. He hosted that forever, um, starring uh, none other than uh, Meghan Markle with a briefcase. And uh, then he is now the host of uh, America's Got Talent. You know, so I think people kind of, you have to have your uh, hands tied behind your back when you do stuff like that. I don't know why I'm stuttering so much. Uh, I had a long weekend at Skankfest. I don't know. It's lockjaw. I swear I didn't suck any dicks, but my jaw is just like not interested in uh, mobility at the moment. Um, so in the beginning, we really like break down comedy, what's going on with comedy right now, why it's so dangerous, you know, what mistakes we're making, what's going on with the comedy. And, uh, you know, a lot of people are sort of obsessed with this, you know, comedy's dead and you can't say anything anymore. We really break down why that's happening and the ramifications of it. And then also uh, we get super ridiculous and funny towards the end. Um, I kind of wanted to invert the interviews to start with super funny, but I'm just not going to be insecure about this because Howie is the greatest. He's a legend. His mind is incredible. I'm just blown away by him. It's so rare that you meet one of your heroes and they're not like trying to give you a way too long hug. So, well, Howie, I mean, maybe he wanted to, but he's germophobic and I look filthy. <laughs> the hair extensions do look, they look a little bit ratchet. But you know what? Here's the thing. Hot take. Russian bitches, I know that Russia's a bad, you know, dictator, fascist state, but they're eating healthy. Like something's going right over there because this is their hair. You know what I mean? Like they're eating well. I think I think of Vladimir Putin as someone that, like starves everyone and like whatever, but I don't know. Whatever they're eating is definitely like getting that thick. So I love you guys. I am on tour soon. I'm just doing clubs to work on new stuff. Uh, I am getting on OnlyFans soon because I'm going to put all of uh, the jokes that I can't say here because it'll get demonetized or out of the algorithm or flagged or whatever. I'm going to start putting them on OnlyFans. So instead of dirty photos and dirty videos, it's going to be dirty jokes that I can't tell anywhere else. So that's going to start soon. And um, I'm sorry this interview is a little bit long. I just was so fascinated by Howie and he was so funny. I'm going to start making them shorter. I promise. I guess I'm going to have to start getting less interesting and hilarious guests. Love you. Bow, 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 bow. Howie Mantel. Oh, last week was a rough week. My psychiatrist told me I'm going crazy. I said, if you don't mind, I like a second opinion. He's not right, you ugly toe. He's just so good. Wow. I think we've lost the definition of comedy. You know, comedy is supposed to be, the reason it's funny is because it's wrong. You know, and, and we use this uh, term now, too soon. Like, you could talk about something that's got a little bit of an, you know. By the way, anyone that says a joke is too soon is usually a man that comes too soon. No. Uh, then I've never said too soon. <laughs> like, it's like, you fuck it. Who do you, who, that's why we're saying it, because it's too soon. Right, or because it's wrong, or because, you know, you can call your wife crazy. You can call your wife ugly because you're not supposed to. Otherwise, it's comedy. There's no, I, I don't know if we talked about that on, on, my, on, on my podcast, but I said that, you know, people always go, that's wrong, or you can't say that. The truth of the matter is comedy comes from darkness. Comedy comes from things that are wrong, things that we are taught not to do. As a little child, if you're laughing at a clown in the circus, you don't laugh unless that clown falls down or something happens. Or so a, they go out to get like mauled by uh, rodeo. Uh, what are the things that buck you off? Bulls. Yeah. It's clowns that the go. The rodeo out. clown. But the rodeo clown's got to be in trouble. So you're you're definitely laughing at somebody else's misfortune. 
which by for all intents and purposes is wrong, right? You're taught that's not the way society should act. If somebody's in trouble, if somebody falls down, you shouldn't laugh at it. Yet that's the exact rule of comedy. If somebody falls down, they're falling down, so you will laugh at it. As comedians, we are also, and, and this happens all the time. I don't know if you do or you're asked to do corporate dates. Mm-hmm, a lot. But at corporate dates, they'll, as comedians, we get no respect. This is great with him on, on board. But they'll say, you can't do the dick joke. You can't do. But you know what? Well, that's why it pays so well, too. You know, I think on some but level. But you would never hire the Rolling Stones and saying you can't do the song Satisfaction. Right. You can't do, the fact that they're taking, they hired you because you're funny for what you do, mm-hmm. but they feel that is their right to say, hey, we want you, but don't say this, don't say that. But they will, pl- yeah. they will hire you because of all the hits that you have and mm-hmm. the way you are. Whitney Cummings is an edgy, But if funny, you've already seen those jokes, I can't tell them because then there's no surprise. So anything that you've seen that you liked, the reason you liked it, because it was shocking and surprising, I can't tell the same thing again that I'm a hack, you know? So it's like, it is like people, you know, I think that I like that people don't understand us. I like, like, I, I, there's something. I don't. Here's the, here's the thing though. Hasn't this always happened? Uh, I'm obsessed with the idea that everything that exists today has always existed. It just looked differently. I mean, we talk about Lenny Bruce and we think about, I mean, they tried to cancel the Simpsons. They tried to cancel Eminem. Remember, there was like, there's always an outrage. But we, you know, as we started with Rodney, Rodney started with, I get no respect. No comic gets respect. I'm on America's Mm -hmm. Got Talent, you know? And if you come on and you sing a song that is top 40, you know, that you didn't write yeah. and, and you stand in a spot and you sing the song. And I think a lot of people, I'm not knocking singing. I can't sing, but a lot of people can. You can walk into uh, a Ramada Inn and mm-hmm. hear somebody. You can be on a cruise and hear somebody fantastic. You could be sitting around the campfire and your friend could be sitting there strumming on a guitar and sing like you've never heard before. A lot of people can do it. And then you take a song that you've heard and you learned and... I'm not knocking the fact that they get a standing ovation and they get the votes. The next person that comes out is a comic who uh, creates a character, writes every word, delivers everything, and needs to elicit more from an audience than any other form of entertainment. You know, if you sing a song, they get to play their whole song, and then at the end, because you don't hear it anymore, we know we're supposed to applaud or go and whoop. And guess what? I, I actually, you know, there is an obsession, I think, with comics. Musicians are kind of obsessed with us. You know, like, I'll go out to an event or work thing, and like, a famous musician, like, I could never do what you do. And I'm like, yeah, like, that's true, you know, because we hear every single thing. You guys drown it out. If someone doesn't like you, you have no idea, and you are protected by instruments. You have all this other stuff. Like, right. it, what we do is ter- is terrifying. And well, I, always, I talk about the fact that, and I'm not knocking music, but somebody writes a song, the fact that they write a song, and they go, I'm not, th- this is not a song, but these are parts of a song. Mm-hmm. You know, I went into the bar, la, 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 la. So, they can write la, I la, 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 la. I can't believe you're saying this, because I was literally like working kind of on a bit about this which is rappers so I was I rappers I really respect because they got to fill in words Lil Wayne Eminem some of these brilliant gangsters move like how Pat I got it wrong once on the show Do you want it, the wrong way is funny if well you want it the wrong gangsters way move real G's real G's move, move in, in silence, silence like lasagna. lasagna okay that's fucking brilliant you know it's right. like because I was like oh Lasagna, I guess, is really quiet. No, the G is silent in lasagna. You know, it's like real G's moving silence like that. I mean, that's like nine levels of puns and double entendres and stuff, you know? but It's really just spelly. Please. <laughs> You're making it much more than it is. 
But I get I'm, it. Well, I'm about to really slam musicians, so I'm trying to just pander right. a little bit. You know, I have a Howie is spelled with a six, <laughs> and that's also silent. It's H-O-W-6-I-E. So I'm like lasagna. Hi, did you get the food? Howie is killing. You would love... Our relationship is so... Like, he's... Like, this is the funniest shit ever. So I just said... Hi, how are you? I love I, your... I respect... Zai comes on sharing. the road. Sharing. on the road with me all the time. Yeah. Uh, and he's just the greatest. And I just said, like, I respect rappers. I don't yeah, respect yeah. musicians. Because, please... What's your name? Zahed. Zahed. Yeah, yeah. Not to be confused with the guy that just got released after 32 years. No, that was me. <laughs> <laughs> you know what from I'm talking Houston. about? He just got released from the no, prison from of Houston. No, from the podcast where they thought, what was his name? Oh, you know what I'm talking Z- about? That was Zayed. Oh, Zayed. Who's that? that? Was, there's that podcast. It was the most famous pod. It was the cereal. most. Cereal. Cereal podcast. He got released? Do you not know that? that he, he got, he got uh, charged with killing his girlfriend. Uh-huh. And and remember that that was the first crime yeah. podcast that went. I remember, huge. I do remember. It was called uh, Sure, Sure, Sure. And we we talked to Syed. We could hear him talking from his cell. I remember, he's and released on why? Because uh, they they there's um, too many living women in America. That's why. Yeah. You yeah, guys believe in abortion no, just really late term. So I just said, like, I respect uh, some rappers the way I respect comedians as writers. Like, because of the silent G. Well, no. <laughs> G's move in silence <laughs> like, like lasagna. lasagna. You get it? Do you not get it? put your you hand, get it? Don't put your hand in Howie's coverage. It's okay. It's all right. No, it's not. No, he probably I thought I was going to cough. <laughs> There's a hand went in front of the camera. I like it. They always cover my mouth. <laughs> Whether I'm talking, and then because I'm working on so years, it, it teaches music. Also, well, you teach music. Yeah. I argue that writing a song is not that hard. No, no, no. Uh, writing music, no, writing music, I think is hard. Music is hard. Lyrics, words, lyrics. That's not so hard. I think the fact that you say I wrote a song and it's you know la uh, la 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 you can write la 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 is considered a lyric Genius. right so what I'm saying is that when someone's like well this musician like people that like walk on eggshells or and these the women they're like divas I'm like you literally go la 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 like I don't res- can you imagine writing comedy like that two guys walk into a bar and then do la, 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 <laughs> well wait wait ba, 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 ba. <laughs> wow you are a songwriter okay, I didn't realize. Um, <laughs> Why are we like, oh my God, we're this person needs nine assistants and this person don't look them in the eye. Like well, you, you know, say la, la, la. But there was, but we were talking about the respect yeah. of uh, music yeah. or acting over stand-up comedy, which exists. You know, it. I, I think I was at, uh, one time an award was being given to Jerry Seinfeld. In, I think it was at the Aspen Comedy Festival. Mm-hmm. Now you're blocking my shot. Oh yeah, that's sorry about yes. that. Well, it's sorry. a stupid hat. You know what? Take the hat off. And it just looks like about, that'll be a great like I'm over. You're, I love that. Oh, that. You're a stand-up comedian. You know you have to talk into this. You He's know, not, but he has nothing to say right now. No, he was going to say something about this. Silence is golden. What if I just went to sleep? That's the longest. He's out getting your cucumbers. Anyway, the point that I'm making is that uh, Seinfeld. I'm ju- I'm going to paraphrase. Said he's not used to uh, receiving an award as a comedian yeah. because in this and we as comedians create a character. Write the script, hit the, yeah, write it down because you're so a clip. I'm writing my suicide note. Sorry, continue. No, I'm writing down something that's gonna, that Geraldo said once that I wanna say after. Yeah. 
Geraldo said something? Geraldo? Greg, Greg Geraldo. Oh, I thought I thought I thought it was gonna be and then we cut to him going, There's nothing There's nothing in this in this vault. There is nothing in this vault. Oh, I just got hit with a chair. I just got hit with a chair. I didn't know who you were talking. Or what's the other? Uh, anyway, Greg Giraldo. But anyway, he said that I'm not used to getting an award because I'm a comedian. You know, and a comedian is put on at the end of the show. The comedian is like the cleanup clown. The comedian, though, writes every word, creates a character, and has to deliver it, and needs to elicit more from an audience than any other form of uh, any other form of entertainment. Mm-hmm. An actor doesn't drive to work. Usually, gets picked up. And then somebody, they sit in a chair where somebody combs their hair, puts on their makeup, dresses them. Then they're taken, they're led to another room and they're told to stand over there where that piece of tape is. And they're told to say this. And they're paid $10 million while everyone around them. But it's not even the money. But everyone around them is making 100. That's another issue. But the issue that I'm making is they go, read this line and then you go, cut, not like that. Read it again. No, not like that. Cut. No, no. And then they shoot it again from another angle and then another angle. And then they go back. They take them back to their trailer. They, they wait and they shoot the whole thing. And it doesn't matter really what they did. And then post, it's fixed. Yeah, and, and then they, they fix it. And they take the best cuts of each. And, and then, then we watch music the music under it. No. And then we go to the Academy Awards and we go, he's brilliant. Who does he vote for? Tell us about politics. We will do anything you do. You are the best pretender in the world. Where the comic is just the cleanup. And you guys are the professional liars, and we're the professional truth tellers. So and there we're is the ones no. getting in trouble. And at AGT, where people show up and sing a song and do things, get so much more adulation than the comic. I always support the comic. I go, you don't know, but it's easy to say or to hear these words. You don't know how hard this is. Even if you didn't get the joke, it's very hard to uh, kind of appease everyone in the room. May I just quote Brody Stevens real quick? No. If you... (laughs) If you don't get me, you're dumb. Yes, that's correct. (laughs) That's what Brody would say. Because Brody was like so nine levels of satire and he just would say like, you're dumb if you don't get... He would open with that and it just killed me. It is amazing, but it is also you realize how specific comedy is in the sense that uh, when I go to an amateur night or an open mic night... Comics get on and you go, you see people die and it's ridiculous and it's horribly bad. And you go, why is this person even think they can be a comedian? And they're there. Nobody's there, I don't think, of their own volition. I think they're there because Uncle Nathan at uh, at Thanksgiving went, you're so funny, you should be a comedian. Mm-hmm. Or one friend, you said, you're so and Nathan funny. Nathan had had a lot of drinks that night. Right, but they made Nathan laugh. And now in front of a room, everybody's sitting there going, what the fuck is this? <laughs> right? But but the point is that, you know, everything I was ever expelled for, hit for, gotten in trouble for is what I get paid for. You know, I got up on a dare and I'm just lucky that the whole room laughed at, I didn't know what to do. When I first got up on stage, it was like, I didn't have, I didn't plan. You do a lot more work than me. I don't do work. I kind of go... I fly by the seat of my pants and I was going, okay, okay, okay. Like if you look at my old, I couldn't think of anything. And because I have OCD, I have, I had rubber gloves because I would out in public. I didn't want to touch anything in public restrooms. And I put my hands in my pocket and I had a rubber glove and I, I didn't know what to do. And I pulled it over my head and I inflated it and it popped off and the, and the crowd applauded that fucking rubber glove bought me two homes. So what I'm saying is I'm just lucky that whatever I did happened to click with a larger audience than just Uncle Nathan. And when I popped and I sold, 
I think I talked to you about this when I sold uh, two shows out at at uh, in one night in a couple of minutes at Radio City Music Hall. I remember in between shows being in the dressing room looking out onto Seventh Avenue or whatever it is with my wife, and there's you know seven thousand people teaming out at one show, seven thousand people coming in, fourteen thousand people in the street, cops, stanchions, everything. My wife says, "What are you thinking?" And I'm thinking in this town of ten million people. You know, uh, 9,983,000 people don't give a fuck and don't want to put up any money. So there's always more that don't get it and don't care. And that's what we were talking about before. That's but what we focus on. now we're going, hey, you don't get it. You don't care. Let me read your thoughts and take them seriously. You know, now it used to be if someone, you know, you know, didn't fuck with you or had negative things to say. You know, I know that when we leave theaters and there's a bunch of people out front, I'm like, I just because... Chances are there could be a couple of people going, yeah, that one joke, I don't know about this. Like, it's not my business. Like, I shouldn't hear that. You know, I shouldn't hear the water cooler conversation. Now with Twitter, we have the opportunity to hear the water cooler conversation, half of Is which- Is it an opportunity? What do you mean? You think of it as an opportunity? We have the- um, Ability. Ability, great. The it's always the right time deal. Hey, wanna go to Mickey D's for lunch? Ooh, let's go now. <laughs> but it's not lunchtime yet. If we're going to McDonald's, it's always the right time. Yeah, it's hard to argue with that. There's a deal for every lunch hour at McDonald's. Now's the time to get two for $3.99. Mix and match a four-piece McNuggets, a McDouble, a McChicken, or a hot and spicy McChicken. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Great. Um, and uh, to, to hear all the stuff that we shouldn't hear, it's just really none of our business. And also, it's like, to me, like, I know that when I see a movie, I like go out of my way to just be like devil's advocate. Like, that wasn't that good. And then if people hated it. I'm like, it was good, you guys. Like, I'm just that, you know, so I don't even know if half the stuff that's reading is just people trying to be interesting and trying to have an opinion, because that's what humans do, you know? But it's really, well, humans don't want to say they, being nice is not fun. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's what I, and and being nice is is work. Yeah, you know, you be, just having a pleasant face is work. Having a smile is work. But uh, you know, uh, what boils to the top is what you didn't like and what you didn't. You know, if you read a, re- a review, you know, the people that became the biggest reviewers of the time are the people that could give scathing reviews of yeah. things. Those are the things you're going to read. Can I say something? It's, I be, I, I it's feel a like, podcast. You should be saying a lot of things. I feel like, <laughs> no, trust me, the more I talk in these, the the worse it gets for me. But um, so uh, uh, I think it's an Oscar Wilde quote. I know a lot of things were, I'm sure something, you know, who knows? Like everything's attributed to Marilyn Monroe or Oscar Wilde. Who fucking knows? Like, but he said, critics are people that go to the battle site where the war was fought and they shoot the survivors. Wow. Like it's just, to me, that's a critic. Like try to do what we, here's my thing about critics. Try to do what we do, you don't have to be good at it, but just so you know the level of difficulty. That's all, you cannot review. Well, I think it's about respect. You know, people don't, we, we've lost that in society. And aside from comedy and everything, it's just respect it. Respect the fact that that's another human being. Yeah, when comics are, are like performing and, and critics are like, well, this person's trash. You're like, yeah, we agree. But That's I, why I, we do, you know what I mean? But I don't think, you know, people talk, and maybe this is, uh, maybe this is sacrilegious what I'm about to say, but people talk about Carson being, you know, I did The Tonight Show with Carson 22 times. I felt that that was the ultimate place of some disrespect. 
And I'll tell you why, because mm. everybody wanted to get on the Johnny Carson show because the public made that, you know, before I did Johnny, I did um, uh, Merv Griffin, Mike Douglas, Joan Rivers, you know, not Joan Rivers, Joan Rivers was after, Joan Rivers brought me to the Tonight Show. But, but, the, but the truth of the matter was, you know, somebody who didn't know me would say, what do you do? And I'd say, I'm a comedian. And they go, have you ever been on Johnny Carson? That was their first question. Wow. That, that, that meant something. And if you talk to comics of my era, that was the litmus test for being considered legitimate. For women, it's, it was, did you ever blow with Johnny Carson? <laughs> that's a- still being on Johnny. <laughs> Not how I do it. <laughs> <laughs> but the point that I'm making is... The comic, regardless of who you were, always went on last on the show. And people talk with such pride. The first time I was on, Johnny gave me the thumbs up. Johnny called me to the couch. So you weren't even allowed to He called me to the couch in his office. (laughs) Right, back to the blowing. But the point that I'm making is, the, the, the point that I'm making is, he called, like, if he felt that you did good enough, then you were allowed to sit down and talk. Where if you were, and I'm not knocking him in any way, but if you were Donnie Most, who was on Happy Days, who was not Henry Winkler and not the, the star of the show, mm-hmm. third tier level on, the, on, a, on a sitcom that was a hit, yeah. he would be the first or second guest and they'd sit down and talk to him. He didn't write any of the lines that he said. They talked to him. And then next, you'd have a comedian who sat and wrote every one of those lines, killed the audience, and you felt great if you got a thumbs up or if he said, come sit down. You sat down, you talked to him for 30 seconds, and they went to commercial, and that was the end of the show. So is that really respect? So by the same token, that kind of disrespect is very evident today, where because you're a comedian... They think you have this incredible, funny, thick skin. Where, but on when the you- other hand, they're like, "You guys are all come from trauma, right? You're all mentally ill, right, and depressed." And then the next day, they think we have thick skin. It's like, which is it? You know, like, well, because you should know better, because your whole thing is like, all comedians are tra- traumatized, right? And but like, you, you know how to take that trauma and yeah. make a joke and make it light. So even they pity if, us and then they bully us. It's a weird, like, pick a lane. But your thing is words, and the thing that's different today is, you know, the fact that it was, even if you weren't a comedian, something is packaged in the way of a joke. That used to be the safety net, and that doesn't happen anymore. So if you said something that was offensive to somebody, and mm-hmm. they turned around and went, what the fuck? What the? And, and you could say in regular life, just joking. I was just joking. And they go, oh, I'm sorry. I thought you were. But comics, this is my biggest thing with like dating guys and stuff. They'll say something shitty. They're like, well, I'm just joking. And I'm like, no, you're not. You know, a lot of people use that as a defense when... But it doesn't work anymore. When, yeah, when the insult doesn't go over well, they're like, I'm joking. And you're like, I think I would know the difference. Like, but, but what we're talking about is even in a club or even on your on, on television, if you're joking mm-hmm. about something that somebody finds offensive, mm-hmm. there's a good chance you can lose a big portion of your career. Even, and you're joking. You don't even have to say I'm joking. It's my comedy special. Mm-hmm. It's a joke. So it, there's a dichotomy between, you know, trying to appease everybody mm-hmm. and then trying to make everybody, you, we were talking about this before we got on, making everybody laugh. And all of us as comedians, you know, uh-huh. you could be in a room of 10,000 people who are just, and, and you're just creating waves and waves of hilarity and laughter and it's deafening. And you could look out and there's one face, one face 
not laughing, mm-hmm. and then your whole focus goes That's to, I don't care about, about that. That has happened to me. I think I've told this story ad nauseum. I remember one night just, and, and the thing about comedy is you can get into a rhythm where once you get that audience and once they're on that role, it's even the things that you're saying that are mediocre, they're caught in the- in It's the, hypnotic. You're just is. in a flow state. And people are laughing. And if you looked and you had those shots, there's tears coming out of people's eyes and they're they're rocking in their seats and they're just, you just have that laughter. It's just that flow. You're, it, it, the tide of laughter is huge. And you look down at one person who isn't laughing and you your whole the rest of the room becomes quiet in your mind yep. and you focus on that one person i remember i was at a doing a big concert and that was happening and there was a guy in the front row and he was um not only not laughing but uh not even looking in my direction <laughs> you know he's just sitting there like off to the, like like also I, I w- my favorite is when i go that motherfucker didn't laugh and they're like that person has cerebral palsy uh that person <laughs> well that's what i was gonna say that's oh, exactly shit. What, no that you didn't ruin it but that, i love that i, I ruined know, it. it takes it down you're like so, oh he's german he doesn't speak english that's it and you're just like yeah. you asshole right but i do so that's what happened so i went what the fuck he's not even looking at me and the lady be- beside him goes he's blind <laughs> And I, like an idiot, just repeated because I don't know that the seven thousand people in the room, (laughs) right? But I go, he's blind, and you could hear the air, you know, just oh, their their hearts just dropped into their stomach, and I went, holy fuck! And then out of nowhere, it just came because I, I like that stream of consciousness. I said, I figured the whole evening was just lost and I just sucked the air out of the 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 funny balloon of the night, and I just said, wait a minute, wait a minute, he's blind. Why the fuck would you pay for front row seats <laughs> for a blind man when you could put him way up in the balcony where you could tell him, you can lie to him and tell him he's got front row seats, number one. It wouldn't fuck up my show. And that got oh, the got audience. But- he's blind and you're dumb. Sorry. <laughs> right. I just, I <laughs> but those kind of things happen all the time to us. You know, you go, what's Always. wrong with him? Oh, yes, or sir. You show up, or you show up to a show and you're like, oh, this is my last show before I shoot my special. I'm really going to. And then it's, if you are... Uh, deaf, the venue has to provide a sign language person by law. Right. So, and there's a one show, there's someone right next to you on stage going, like, and you're just like, I, this is all. I love that joke. (laughs) But it's like, there's, I always love finding out what the sign language uh, term is for, you know, it's like blowjob. And then I I want, she's the one getting off. I know, I know. Anal, taint, fingering. And then you see, sometimes they try to figure it out. How do you say taint in sign? What's that? No, What's I think. Do you know what the taint is? No. You don't know what a taint is? What is taint in sign language? Well, do I know what it is in sign language? No, do you know? Why did you do this? Oh, uh, I, I, I know. Are you just asking what it is, period? No, I know what it is. It's between the, the, the asshole and the period. <laughs> right. It's between the asshole and the period? You said, you said something about periods, right? Right. Wait, taint ASL. ASL, yes. Well, that's big. What? What? It's a big taint? Wait, no, it's just long. Read it. Hold on, it's read it. It's sign language. Hold on. This is Oh, there's a, there's many ASL dictionary taint. It's a it's very long and drawn out. Oh, here he is. Angry mad. What why no, do you have No, no, no. I, sorry. He's angry mad at the taint. Sorry. T- I mean taints make me very angry and very mad, but hold well, on. Well, we're going to see the Wait. darn. Hold on. You're showing me everything but your taint. I here we go. It's this oh, one. It's this one. They used a woman. This is taint. What? That's not taint. That's taint. It according is not. To, are you implying that everything on the internet isn't true? That she said a lot more than taint. 
sometimes it's I don't know. I don't think that but was where were we when I asked um uh what like <laughs> it was I was with Benton and he asked, but it was like what's like the offensive word you use for gay man in uh uh, sign language, yeah. like what's queer, like what's pejorative for yeah. gay man. And I think it was, oh, it was this. <laughs> like that's, it was like fixing eyebrows? Like what? It was like. Don't do that. The people watch yeah, this. Yeah, no. Well, sorry. You're going okay, to offend. Me, you don't touch your eyebrows on a public <laughs> I'm not scared platform. of anything anymore. I don't give a shit. But um, can I say two things? Say Number three. one. Um, I remember being at the roast because I started doing the roast. I know they're not for everyone. Um, you know, I'm going to start doing them for OnlyFans. It's kind of called like Only Comedy Fans. I do think a mistake on the OnlyFans site. Yes, but it's going to be the first project for OnlyFans TV. So it'll be free, and then I'm doing these separate roasts on Are OnlyFans. Are you dressed? Yes, I'm dressed. Well, I think of OnlyFans as not a Actually, thing. Instagram and Twitter are way more. You go on OnlyFans, it's very wholesome. It's like kind of teachers. OnlyFans is wholesome. Okay. I mean, it's it, mostly holes. It's. <laughs> Some. Some. <laughs> some. Uh, so here's what I'll say. It's a lot of like teachers that are making 30 grand a year to risk maybe going into school and getting shot in the face while just trying to teach toddlers. They're getting paid 30. And then they go and they're just like have bikinis on they're, and they're making 200 grand. Like that's good for them. I think that's awesome. So you awesome. think you th you, the OnlyFans. No, I'm not being OnlyFans. But only I go on fans. Twitter and Instagram. Instagram is like. Like, yeah, it's terrible. OnlyFans is the wholesome, thongs. is our education system. It's our teachers. It's paying the women that deserve more. Yes. That's exactly. Well, it's not only women, but it's everybody. Sure, yeah. I, I'm but so, it's good, wholesome entertainment. And, and you'll be there now. And it's safe sex work. I think it's, that's awesome. So my thing is instead of dirty videos and dirty photos, it's dirty jokes. All I the jokes that. we can't I tell anywhere that. else. Well, why wouldn't you do that on like Patreon or Patreon? Uh, or uh, because um, I think that's a little bit elitist at the moment. I it's might elitist. And you want to do... Work for the teachers. I just want to support teachers who either way are going to get shot in the face. No, listen. Whether they're on oh OnlyFans. <laughs> the money shot. <laughs> Come on. So uh, so my my issue right now is that I know it's hard to be a comedian, right? Cool. But we my also My daughter's have... a teacher. I wonder if she's on OnlyFans. <laughs> my daughter. Oh, the one I met? Mm-hmm. She's a teacher. Well, if her primary job is your travel booker, she does need some extra cash. <laughs> but I don't, I'm not on OnlyFans. I just want to find out if she's supplementing. So I think we are putting ourselves, like comedians, in situations we shouldn't be putting ourselves in. So we're leaving the delivery up to people that don't do comedy. So we write a joke, we put it on Twitter for free, and then. I don't write jokes on Twitter. Totally. But m most of the people that are getting in trouble with this kind of stuff are comedians that are delivering. Part of uh, comedy is just isn't only if, what you're saying is if you're going to get canceled, you want to be paid for it. There's not, not even that. It's I think what we're doing is we are leaving up the I'm not you're you're making me nervous right now. Oh, and you're making I don't know. Can you just look over there for one second so Go I can ahead. get my thoughts together? Go ahead. God. OK, just give me. <laughs> I feel like I just got lit. Like, I feel like I got lit. Like, what that's happened? the only thing. Like, I, I feel like he just held up there. No, you just make me nervous sometimes because I love you. I'm trying to articulate this well, which is. And I always I'm, think I'm comforting. I'm no, trying to be comforting. Good. No, it's good. No, I think I'm comforting. Can you sit down with me? No, it's just, give me a second. So. Do they know, like, do you have an angle where this guy is no. on camera? No. So it's just I want a people voice. To watch it. 
No, Zayed came in. He's working on the roast with me. He's going to co-write all the roasts with me. We're doing the roast. Oh, so we're multitasking right now. Well, no, he's also just my friend. No, I know he's your friend, but people can't see him, right? Well, I just, I want to say that I thought it was really cool. The well, you're not on about. the microphone and no yeah. one's going to hear But he's not even on the camera. I it's know, just a voice. To, more, even more so that you need to hear him. There's a bird's eye camera. Someone can't see you or hear you. Oh, there's a bird's eye camera. Oh, yeah, there's a gotta, camera up here. Oh, that's what I'm just saying. I'm just saying you. there's a voice coming from under the table. People are going to go, I no, saw I, you on Whitney. It's amazing <laughs> what you're able to do with your testicles. He's <laughs> the guy that I pay to eat my pussy under the table <laughs> I just meant times. to say that it was really cool to hear that conversation. Would she have to pay you to do that? <laughs> you wouldn't yeah. do that out no. of the goodness of your heart? <laughs> no, it's, um, it was really cool to hear the conversation about respect and comedians. And, um, Can I say one more thing? That, was, that's a great statement after I said you wouldn't eat her pussy for no, free. Also, yeah, Why are you bombing on purpose? That's my entire act. <laughs> no, but let me tell you something. Yeah. I, so I was doing the roast. I, this is circuitous. Fine. That's what podcasts are. Nice. If you want something written, go see something written. These are free, bitch. Give me a second. Yeah. So I was doing the roast. It was not the roast. Of, I had written on the roast before I did Joan Rivers. So I wrote on Saget. I wrote on a bunch. And then I was watching Greg Giraldo, one of my favorites. One of the most. That's the Giraldo we've talked one about. One of the most brilliant roast joke writers of all time. He, I was working on the roast of uh, Flavor Flav. The reason I got the job was I did the joke, Flav, you look like what Magic Johnson should look like right now. Oh my God, I love that. It's such a good joke, right? It and is then, a great joke. And then they had to give me the job because they wanted to use that joke. And then I just like, you know, and so I was working on roast joke for all the other ones that other people came up with. I was like, I have a better version of that in, until fucking Geraldo. Geraldo opened up with uh, for Ice T. Ice T is so old. He used his first residual check to buy his freedom. Oh my God. <laughs> perfect, perfect joke, right? So he's like the great. I mean, just a brilliant comedian. He was a lawyer before that. Like it's like I didn't know that. This whole no respect. All these comedians are just trash. Demetri Martin was a lawyer. You know, there's like, you know, brilliant guy. And he had a lot of pilots that didn't go, as all of us did. You know, Mayim Bialik is a neuroscientist. Yes, yes, she um, studies primarily oxytocin. Right. Yeah. That has nothing to do with this conversation, no, but no, I no. just wanted to no. add something. Go ahead. <laughs> go I'm fascinated ahead. by her uh, for many reasons, but um, and she's lovely. So on to people that aren't lovely. Um, just kidding. So Geraldo is on the red carpet and uh, talking to you know whatever the correspondents that are trying to be funny with him, whatever. But the slams on him, because you never could say it wasn't funny. He's like, duh, you're on this TV show. I'm sorry, I'm stuttering today. You're on this TV show, it got canceled. Like, you had all these pilots that didn't go. You guys, we should finish up this roast, because as soon as they see Geraldo's on it, they're going to cancel it. You know, it's like every joke was about his failed TV career. Right. But he's a brilliant stand-up and destroys the roast. And he's going down the red carpet and someone was like, so like, what do you feel about the fact that like, everyone always makes fun of your TV career? Like, you haven't any pilots? And someone trying to be funny. And he just went... When did it become so embarrassing to just be a comedian for a living? But that's... He just said it, and it wasn't, he wasn't trying to make a joke. He's like, I'm confused. He, surgeons come up to me and are like, I could never do that, man. Like, what you do is incredible. And it's like, but your TV show didn't go. Like, the talent is like 1% of why the show didn't go. Like, what, right. you know? So it was just like this, I saw that, and I'm so glad I saw him say that, because I think I would have given up if I didn't. But I love comedians and I love comedy and I have so much respect for everyone who does it. And there's nobody that does it that I've seen mm -hmm. that w whether I am uh, triggered or laugh at yeah. whatever, but I knowing what are you eating? Candy corn. Just, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> 
Go ahead. I don't. <laughs> you're just eating. Do you want one? No. Okay. Well, no. you're going to be talking. So I planned it out from when you were talking. So is you not on camera now? No, I'm only on camera. You're off camera the whole show. So it's just <laughs> it's just it's just you snacking. Do you with remember me? Police, Police Academy? The guy that was out of frame. Yeah. <laughs> and you never saw his face because he was too tall. So you just have one candy corn while I'm talking. I forgot what I was going to say. You're eating. You're snacking. I don't. I've never seen. That. I've never. It's not a bad thing. It's just very. Un, it's unconventional. Mm. It is. You have. Where did you pull it out of? I have a bag of candy corn. <laughs> there was just candy corn there. I love candy corn. But I saw you come in. You weren't carrying candy corn. Yeah, it's no. pre-placed. I have a whole stash of weird shit over here, and I just take a little candy corn while you're talking, and then I do this with the mic so they won't hear it. Wow, that's like I, a little behind the scenes. Of it's it. a little bit of my um, solution to my ADD autism where I I do have a problem. I get excited and I interrupt people. Do you have a low blood, blood sugar? Do you have a, a little bit, but, but it's more if I know you're about to tell, I'll just chew. put something in my mouth so I don't interrupt. That stops you from interrupting. Mm -hmm. Eating. Like just a little eating, thing. But I know, but eating, if you would, eating is interrupting. <laughs> no, I, I think it is. Like, it's snacking. I hear the crinkling of paper, and I see you put something in your mouth. And that, then it's been a minor distraction so far. But now there's no bag. I, I, I know the bag was bad, but I tried. <laughs> no, it's not even the bag. It's I like, tried to do it over a laugh. Like, someone's laughing, and I opened it. Who was I, laughing? Well, now they're laughing at you eating. They're not <laughs> laughing because it's the, it, the flow. It ruined the flow. Would you like a candy corn? No. It's Are not you gonna sure? Make, yeah. You had I, just said that Greg Giraldo asked, "When did it become so embarrassing to just be a comedian for a living?" No, that's not that. What that and that's that line over. was that when you Greg said you Giraldo, love comedians, you were saying, "I love comedians." I love that. I love that. In the middle of your podcast, you have a recap. Yeah. Like it doesn't even end yet. We're recapping. There's a snack break along with it. It is like reminiscing like too soon, <laughs> isn't it? It's like. Is it considered reminiscing if what we're talking about just happened like a second ago? You know what I was talking about? <laughs> is any This is what a podcast is. You just started podcasting, Howie. Yeah. I've been doing this for a while. I don't snap. The whole point is you can Whoa, do whatever the ooh. fuck you want. You just, was that my camera? He's hit. He's blocked every camera. He's hitting cameras. He's rolling around the floor. You're eating. This is the most fucked up podcast. No, it's... It's so weird. We're in a little room. Uh, my guy, uh, Rich, who's been with me for 30 years, you let him, you make him, I don't know if they could see him from the end, but you put him in a corner. Why would you put him? Nobody puts baby. Richie in the he's corner. He's my baby. Yeah. yeah. Richie, you got a time out? Can you go get me some watermelon? Yeah, go sit in a corner with a portrait of me. I also love that. There's this a portrait of you, right? He has to sit under the portrait of you. Two. And one of yeah. Yeah, no, we know. And sit in the Whitney corner. And then you have a, a bald man on the floor. There's some guy in a... What is that? Is that like a pantry? Is that where you get your snacks? He's the snack maven. Anyway, what was she saying? Go ahead. We'll continue. Well, what I love about this is it was during you talking about how much you love comedians. <laughs> Am I fucking too much? And then we're acting like complete assholes. Like, I love comedians. I don't think I'm being an asshole. No, I'm being, we uh, are. You're I'm like, I love, we're, you're I love you. We make it hard for people to love us. Oh, good for finishing the question. Okay, the statement. You know what I love about you? I, this, nothing is funnier to me than you because you, there's nothing, no, this is why comedians are so great. Nothing gets past them. 
nothing gets... But it was a problem, right? Yeah. My wife, I've been married for 42 years. She goes, God you don't bless have to, her. You don't have to fucking comment on everything. What, what, yes. Why are you snacking? I had one and a half a sentence. Did you think I had a paragraph? Like, but where? how are you timing I, this? How? Because it's, you're not seeing what I'm seeing. It's, Is it it's, distracting? A little bit. Okay, it's distracting. No, 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 to keep doing it. Are but I'm insulted? Not, gonna, not insulted that I, that I, I have whet your appetite. But so, <laughs> so we did have, when I did Howie's podcast, we got to this place and he's like, I, I make you wet. And then, of course, I start bawling, crying on his podcast. So I, it was wet on the other side of the podcast. Like, <laughs> she missed by this much. But the point is, uh, I'm, this is going to be two sentences if you want a snack. Go ahead. No, but what? The but point is, the, the fin- camera's on something. you. The camera's on you. No, but I want to leave it on you. But Let's you have listen a to me. You, when you're talking, the single's on you. But you know what? I'm going to no read. No one sees Can me. Can we doing cut it. this? Go do it. Just have it on you and don't even cut to me. I'll talk. And so they could see what it's like you know what? to be me. Why don't you grab one and throw, try to throw it in my mouth? And we'll have justice. Why does that make it justice? Well, you, it want, makes- you don't want from my fingers to your mouth. Yeah, I do. I, I, I'd pay for it. <laughs> Wow, I like, love jerks. This is like OnlyFans. Oh, see, that was out of... I had a feeling. Yeah, because you I hit it. feeling. So there hasn't... The camera hasn't been pointed for the last 10 minutes? Oh, no, it, it has. You've got... You're on three. <laughs> Sorry. You're on three. Uh, I'm not a good... Not end. overhand. Okay. Oh, what do you mean? Underhand? underhand what am I, a softball pitcher? <laughs> well, okay. I don't know. How do you do an underhand from a table? I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> That's the key. Put it in your own mouth. Okay, every time I take a bite, you can throw a tomato. How about that? No, I'm trying to work on things to manage my ADD to not interrupt because when I get excited and I, I start to go, and this is I like your interrupting. I like your energy. It's not rude. It's not rude. The fans don't love it. How do you know? Because they want to hear you talk. Those aren't the fans. They want me the to The fans shut. are here for you, and I'm here for you. We're all here for you because it's good for you. You bap. don't say good for us. Bap, bap, bap. bap. You know. <laughs> bad, bad, bad. Yeah. Oh, bad. You didn't finish. You didn't swallow everything, did you? You had something. That, no, it's okay. Eat. I never Eat. swallow. I feel like I'm interrupting your snack No. I... <laughs> this is, I feel bad. I don't want I'm your sugar no, to drop. I'm working on not interrupting. Thank- and the way, the only way you can work on it is jamming shit in your mouth. <laughs> I, I basically like I. So if you're on a date, I was will you put a, his dick in your mouth just so you don't? It's not that I want to blow you. I don't want to interrupt you. Because <laughs> you probably have some things you want to say. So I'm just going to suck on this, and you tell me all about yourself and your history and what you want out of this relationship. Also, I would rather suck your dick than listen to your stories. <laughs> How does sucking his dick stop the stories? Oh, did I tell you what I? I, I got to tell you, I remember. I have very big teeth. When I'm sucking a man's dick, he's really trying not to move at all. You chew? No, I just have really big teeth. I know. I think it's kind of like putting your dick in a shark's mouth. You kind of don't want to move around too much. Why would anybody put their dick in a shark's mouth? Comedy. (laughs) (laughs) This is one of my favorite. So Norm MacDonald, um, he was on Roseanne when I was uh, making the reboot. Um, with everyone, the room was incredible. Wanda Sykes was in the room. You know, it was just magical. Um, and uh, Norm was there, and I, I was. Norm was the best. I was like, I'll take any iteration of Norm. It's an hour a day. If he calls in, I don't care. Like, we'll take. He was writing, or he was, was going to be on in the room. 
Oh, wow. In the writer's room. And we had him once a week as like a consultant, twice a week as a consultant. And there were a bunch of people that worked on Norm's sitcom. Uh, you know, Bruce Helford and I were, you know, writing it together. So Bruce uh, Helford ran uh, his sitcom and worked on the originals, Roseanne, whatever. And I was like, so what's it like working with Norm, like in a writer's room? Like, I'm such a big fan. I've done right, roasts right. with him, whatever. Right. Like, And they go, it's kind of like trying to give a cat a bath. <laughs> like he would pop in, he would pop out. It was a, We'd follow him around. Like, Do you have a pitch for this? You know, he's just in his own world and uh one time he pitched something that was so funny and brilliant and then there was a writer in the room that was like yeah but like what does that mean like you know would she really say that in this environment and was really trying to pick it apart like how is that motivated and does that really uh make is that specific to their relationship like why exactly would you know he say that and he goes oh um because comedy I love that. I love that. That's how you talk to a network executive. It made me because comedy. And we're all like, Fine. did everybody laugh? It was about. He's was the, the best. best. May I say my fa- like one of my favorite jokes from his last special, the one that he made. Did you, what did you think of that? I loved it. It was so. I loved it also. It took it me so, a couple times to watch it. I it, cried too much. That's what I'm saying. It was just incredibly sad, but incredibly. Raw. It was like watching the most beautiful comedic acapella performance. And because he hadn't done it for audiences, like he was cracking himself up, and he didn't cut anything that audiences didn't get. But and we knowing would get. where he was in his life, he was going in the next morning for surgery. That's pretty amazing. But what we're talking about, he summed it up perfectly in that special. He goes, "What's this new thing where like people look to comedians for like morality and politics and our opinion? Like people look to us, you know? Like when uh, Vietnam was happening, was everyone like, I wonder what Red Skeleton thinks? <laughs> like we're idiots. Like why? But are the you? truth is that they do look to people in show business. That we were talking about that earlier. I think with that's the actors. changing. I think post the pandemic, people are like, we do not want to hear celebrities fucking talk. Well, you, you say are- that. The celebrities are different. They're now called influencers because they influence. Under the influencer. Yeah. Under the right. influence of fucking narcissism. Right. But because uh, somebody has some modicum of uh, popularity, and I don't even know if they're really popular, mm-hmm. but a lot of people know who that mm-hmm. one person is. Yeah. We believe that we should listen to them. We should look like them. I think as soon as a celebrity who isn't a comedian posts their political opinions, people are done. It's over. Like I think that's now because it's, it's over. so divisive. You lose yeah. half your audience. Yeah, Di- and it just doesn't feel like this isn't where you're qualified to know about. Like we want, you know, I think that um, especially given what happened in the pandemic, with so many people yeah. losing their savings, losing their jobs, the idea of a bunch of rich people in mansions telling you, you know, talking about anything is just like just be pretty, just dress up for us. Your job is to distract us. It's not to make us think about problems that you would never know how to how to solve, and frankly, don't even have. So I think that, I mean, just from touring all over the country as comics, like we go and we meet people like this and they're like, thank you for not lecturing But I always say that, us. that's why I love that you're in rooms of shows because I think that traveling all over the country really gives you kind of a, 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 a feeling of, your, you know, you're on the pulse because living here in Los Angeles or New York mm-hmm. or being in an executive office at a network or, uh, you know, a streamer, I don't know that the people that you sell to. It's mostly Harvard Guys, you're just well, like, it doesn't, it, whether it's never... Harvard guys, whether it's when you live, this is a bubble that yeah. is nothing like the rest of the country, you know, and and they don't even talk like we're talking in the whole country. And a lot of the problems within the industry that are f- fucked up are not happening in America, you know, and so they happen in your industry. Don't ruin good shows because you guys did creepy, gross shit. 
You know what I mean? Right. Like we can still laugh at stuff. Like I remember when the uh, Times Up in Me Too stuff first started. My not this special, but the last special. I talked a lot about it. The one with the robot. Right. And um. I had written in, because I was in LA at the time writing, and I'm in this just echo chamber of LA. I'm in this bubble. And I'm like, oh my God, sexual harassment is the biggest problem. I got to write about this. This is what everyone's right. talking about. I go to Houston, I think it was. Yeah. I, I, I didn't know you yet. I was just working on new stuff, and I opened with, um, you know, the. Uh, I did a joke that was about Aziz because the Aziz thing. Uh, was, that really bothered me. Well, that was just. But that's not her. You know that's what? A, that's a. You know what bothered ask. me even more? No. Is that no comics defended him because they. But that woman on uh, CNN did. What's her name? That there, he somebody came to his rescue. Megan Kelly. No, no, that's another <laughs> network. But but uh, she has the glasses. Maddow. Uh, no, no. She, I saw she did this thing where she talked about you know what this woman is describing is a bad date you know or a misunderstanding. I don't understand. But I thought that was great. That, you can uh, feel that way. Like that's I know what it's like to be you know twenty two and twenty three and to feel that way. But. Um, feelings aren't facts and what he did it's just you know that was like the tipping point of like you know for me in comedy which is like you, I think sometimes comedians were so pitted against each other. There's such a scarcity complex. And sometimes, especially younger comics, they look at really successful comics or ones that made it really early and they go like, the only way I'm going to succeed is if you get knocked out. Right. You know, but it was like, had comics supported disease, which I know a lot of people, he rubs a lot of people the wrong way. It's just some people do. I'm sure I do too. You know, I'm nervous and anxious at parties. and You know, people project. You know, the first couple times I met disease, I'm like, that guy's kind of a dick. And then I got to know him and I was like, oh no, I was just insecure and he was insecure. And it just, you know, and so... A lot of people didn't defend him. And it was like, if you guys don't rally around him, you are next. We're setting the precedent that this is okay to take someone's job over. This is totally inappropriate. And like, you know, uh, but I had a joke about it. I was like, I just heard about this like thing that happened with a famous comedian. He took this girl out to dinner. They had some wine. They went back to his place. And I was like, who is this Prince Charming? Like, it was sort of about like, is he available now? Like, thank God he's canceled because now I have a shot. Like, it was sort of about, you know, that. And then I was talking about sexual harassment in the office um, and talking about, you know, coming up in writer's room with comedians. I'm like, right. I'm part of this problem. Like, we would run past each other and, like, put hands between our, our butts and be like, I'm swiping a credit card. Like, I, I thought it was hilarious, you know? And then, Even um, though that's funny, I don't think I would do that as a germaphobe. You swipe <laughs> like a, a, a fellow person's hat. Like, you would put your fingers into the... You're the person to ask about this. Okay. Do you wash your jeans... Yeah. Do you never? Do you don't? Most men don't wash their jeans. That's not true. Do you wash your jeans? Every four days. So what are you talking you about? You wash your jeans? Yeah, I do. Well, you have to. Yeah. What? But you know what? <laughs> what about you him? Know. Do you wash your jeans? I, I do wash my jeans. But so there are, there are four the guys, one thing. woman in this room, every one of us. Where did you get this theory? If this you is a keep bullshit going with theory. this, I will accuse you of rape. <laughs> <laughs> be my guest to continue why wouldn't guys wash their I jeans have this, I have this power for another six months and I'm going to use it <laughs> no a lot of guys don't wash their jeans because they think it messes up the, look I've dated it mostly gay men I realize that now wait wait why don't they wash their jeans because What's you know the, the new jeans that are like 200 jeans are supposed to be $40 they're now like designer jeans they're like 200 these are expensive jeans $300 but they say you're not supposed to a lot of guys put them in the freezer or keep them fresh. Don't wash them. Why would you put your jeans in the freezer to kill the bacteria so that you don't have to put them in the water? Because really? so then you wear them out of the freezer. It shrinks them. It shrinks them. If well, you then wash if you them. but if you take your jeans out of the freezer and put them on, it shrinks other things. I wouldn't want frozen <laughs> jeans around my nuts. I know someone, by the way, a comedian, um, a friend of mine that hooked up with a uh, 
pretty famous comedian, like TV guy. And when she came over, she had to put her purse in the freezer. Fine. Because he didn't want germs. Pur purses are gross. I mean, purses, you put them on the ground. So why would you want them where you put your food? That's where I keep my jeans. <laughs> <laughs> I don't no, know. No, really? Yeah, I'm just. So he, you get a young lady to, to, uh, I'm like, to come wait, home and you and go. And then you want to fuck her in the ass? Like, pick a phobia. Like, this is not adding up. But did he did he fuck her in the freezer? I think <laughs> he should fuck her in the freezer. Make sure the nipples are hard. Her pussy's tighter. That's what you do. There's no that instead of wearing protection, what I need you to do, <laughs> I'm going to insert. Let me go get the. It's always the right time deal. Hey, want to go to Mickey D's for lunch? Ooh, let's go now. <laughs> but it's not lunchtime yet. If we're going to McDonald's, it's always the right time. Yeah, it's hard to argue with that. There's a deal for every lunch hour at McDonald's. Now's the time to get two for $3.99. Mix and match a four-piece McNuggets, a McDouble, a McChicken, or a hot and spicy McChicken. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. The ice maker. I'm gonna... <laughs> Taking a quick break because now a word from our sponsor, BetterHelp. The great thing about BetterHelp is that you can switch counselors based on the way you're able to process things and the way you're able to like hear things. And, you know, some people, I, for the longest time, went to therapists that like, I tried to manipulate and lie to because they didn't talk to me like I was an adult. You know, I, I, you know, a lot of people want someone who's gentle and I'm like, I don't want that. Just tell me what to do. And it's like, well, it's, you know, a lot of therapists would say to me, which I think a lot of people need, like it's premature, like, you know, let's go through it. And I was like, just tell me. And, um, this therapist that I worked for for ages was like, you're not going home for Christmas. She's a bitch. And I'm like, got it. Okay, thank you. And there's a lot of, I would complain. I was so stuck on this ex and I couldn't stop talking about him because what happened was like unfair. And I just thought the more I talked about it, the more people would help me or something. And finally she goes, you don't get to talk to him about him for 30 days. You're addicted to talking about him. We need to minimize essentially the neural pathway that goes to that on a loop constantly. You're in an obsession. Like, you don't get to talk about this in therapy. And then I just sat there and was like, okay, what are we, you want, should we put on a podcast? Or <laughs> like, it was, and that changed my life, you know? So that's the kind of therapist I need. I don't, you know, but everybody's brain works differently, you know? So that's what's so great about this. It's convenient, it's accessible, it's affordable, entirely online. Get matched with a therapist after filling out a brief survey and switch therapists anytime you want. And if you can't switch therapists because you feel guilty, that's something to look at. When you wanna be a better person, a better problem solver, Therapy can get you there. Visit betterhelp.com slash Whitney today to get 10% off your first month. It will change your life. It will change your relationships. You will start getting everything you want and realize that a lot of the obstacles in your life are not as big as you think they are. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash Whitney. Betterhelp is to take care of the inside of your head, but the outside of your head matters too. Hair is so much more than physical appearance for women. It shapes our relationship with ourselves from the inside out. It defines our identity, our self-image. Not that I at all like define my value through my hair. And here's what I will say, sorry. First of all, female hair loss is a reality for millions of women, yet most um, are reluctant to discuss it publicly. If you see a woman in a stupid hat, it's probably what's going on, okay? Like all those women that go to the derby, I'm like, I know what this is. 
Nutrafol is looking to unite and support women through the personal impacts of female hair struggles like thinning and shedding by creating a space to connect, share, and bond, no pun intended, with others. Nutrafol would like to open up a larger conversation through real women sharing real stories about how their hair struggles have impacted them. Your hair story could help another woman. Join the conversation at Nutrafol.com slash shed the silence and talk about your experience, share it. Nutrafol, I take this. I take these are the supplements I take. It has completely changed my life, changed my hair. Because remember, my thing is right now I'm just growing my hair out and then I'll get rid of these. And look at how much thicker this is my hair. This has grown so much faster because remember, I um for about two and a half years, um, like lived in a vat of bleach. Uh, and dyed my hair every single color under the sun um, because uh, it's called coping. Um, and so now my hair, this is mine, it's finally starting to grow back and it's like super healthy and thick. It's wild. So thank you for that, Nutrafol. Now I actually have hair that I can pull out. Is cold, uh, Is you would think boiling things would kill bacteria. It's I didn't a hard know sell to say, can you put your purse in a, boil, a pot of boiling water? That's tough. It, like it's easy to go, I'm just gonna put your purse in the freezer. Like all the tampons would... Be used up. Frozen tampons. Have you ever inserted a frozen tampon? I haven't. Well, I'm from Canada. No. All women there do. <laughs> Wait, there's something I want to... Oh, you have notes. Uh, well, one thing about Carson that I wanted to just write down and not interrupt you about, something that changed my life that he said, because I also want to ask you about him because I think he's kind of a complicated legacy and I'm just curious because I am obsessed with Joan Rivers, you know, as you are too. We, she, and, she gave me probably my biggest bump in life. Maybe me too. Yeah, she put me on the Tonight Show. <laughs> she put me on the Tonight Show. I told you that story, yes, right? Yes. Yes. So she put me on the Tonight Show. I couldn't get on the Tonight Show, and then uh, Carson saw me with her mm -hmm. and, and requested me, and I did it twenty-two times. Wild. Um, so he said something. Uh, Wait! Don't start the story. <laughs> I did not sound like that. Well, I did I not sound like that. I did not sound like that. I have misophonia, so when someone is chewing, it drives me fucking nuts to hear it. Right. So you did you just swallow that hole? If people are just tuning in now, she's talking about uh, something when it eats. Did you chew that that fast? It, it's a little candy. That yes. That's not enough chews. What the fuck is wrong with you? How many chews? How I many thought you chews? were chewish. Chewish? I see what you did there. That was like three chops and then swallow. Probably. <laughs> but it's just a little candy. It's just this. That was not enough. So three. How much would you chew this? Okay, just do it. One. One. Two. Three. Uh, yeah. You need to do more. That's not enough. It's not ready to swallow hey, yet. Ready, go. No, it's not. Yeah. This is bad for your uh, colon. No, chew it more. Uh, uh, going. Chew it more. Uh, uh, chew uh, it. Uh, uh, chew uh, uh, it. Uh, uh, You're a bad chew. I knew there. <laughs> You're gonna be feeling that later. You know what? You can't. You tried to prove a point to me. And ultimately, you're going to be home tonight being like, that was, that know, was the wrong hill to die on. Traditionally, Jews are not known for swallowing. <laughs> um, where did you find a Kroger, Pat? Kroger? Ralph's. It says Kroger. That's who owns it. Kroger <laughs> owns Ralph's? Yes. It's Ralph's. Okay. Yeah. Did you just wink at me? It's just down the street. Pat? Yeah. 
You, you wink. <laughs> Winking bothers me. It that yeah. was. It doesn't bother me unless it's like it you're dumb. With that, like, that was like. A, is that what you take from a wink? Well, no. It's like when someone says "bless your heart" and you realize later it's because they think you're dumb. He gave me a wink. Like, don't worry. I won't let anyone know how dumb you are. That's what that wink was. Why is that the? Why is that the the criteria? Like, you don't know the corporate structure of a of a grocery chain. You idiot. You idiot. You're a fucking idiot. Do you not know that Kroger's bought the Ralph's chain? By the way. Kind of fucking idiot. By the way. Somebody who has to purchase as many snacks as you intake. How the fuck do you not know who the parent company... Whoa. Jeez. Also, you just proved my point what was that your point? I made the other day. I proved a point from another day? Men cannot not pluralize companies. Why is it? What? It's Kroger. It's not Kroger's. Kroger's owns. It's not Nordstrom's. I didn't say Nordstrom. <laughs> Why are you taking your plurals out on me? You said I'm Kroger's. not your asshole. Did he say? <laughs> did he say? How do you say asshole in sign language? Uh, did he not say Kroger's? Did he not say Kroger's? Yes, but it was it was the it, Kroger's. It what do you call it? Ownership when you have apostrophe yeah, s. Yeah. Did, did you say Cro? It's Kroger. I don't know. I Kroger's. Think you said, I think he said Kroger's. Kroger. Owns it. Kroger's. Um, this is the exact hill I will die on. <laughs> but I'll really, show you this. This is bad. This isn't even this worth is stopping bad. and reminiscing about this moment of this podcast. <laughs> this is not worth a recap. This is it was okay when we were. I need a tooth cap after eating that, chewing that as much as I did. I just realized. Well, you chew too much, and you expect too much chewing of others. <laughs> you do. When I leave I relationships, I what you do I'm in like... your mouth is your business. You shouldn't be uh, <laughs> forcing a guest to chew. You've seen my teeth. I only need to chew once, and it's handled. You know, but other people. You have beautiful about. teeth. When I relieve a relationship, I'm like, I don't know what happened. I think I just chewed too much. <laughs> I can't tell if you love me or hate me. I love you. I love you. Something Johnny said is he said every B joke in stand-up is an A joke extemporaneously. So anything that didn't work on stage is a stand-up. Like necessarily it's not good enough to be in your act. If you come up with it on the spot in an interview, it's an A joke. Does that make sense? Yes, because... You'll never not use a joke you wrote, even if it doesn't make it. Because like, oh, I write all these jokes and I have all these. It'll always come in handy, whether it's now or in 20 years, you know? Right. I still think I chew enough. Are you disagreeing with Johnny Carson? Probably. <laughs> but he would say, like, all the jokes that I wrote that were, like, B-plus jokes, all of a sudden, if I say them extemporaneously, well, I think he was the, uh, they're A-plus. Uh, yeah, but I... Uh, I feel like you're intentionally being a contrarian about this. I am. <laughs> But isn't that interesting? If I if I just go, yeah, you're right, then we move on to another topic. But if I could find something, I'm trying to make this, this episode what... better than I think it is. <laughs> Can I tell you something? You know what you just did? This is the perfect thing to happen. Because you motherfuckers out there, like, this is what conversations look like. When people are like, oh, I said something, you don't disagree with me? Fuck you. You don't disagree with me? You're trash. It's like, what do you want? You want the world to just be a big huddle? Where you say, like, I like this person. I was like, me too. Now but, what? But I enjoy. Do you want people I, to disagree with you? I do. I love disagreement because that's what a discussion is. That's a discussion. We forgot about that. If, if, uh, if you say everything and I go, right, 
then it's not a discussion. I'm just listening to you mm-hmm. and responding to you. And I think as a guest on your podcast, mm-hmm. I should discuss. Yes, agree. Otherwise, Everyone. I'm just sitting like everybody else, like you. I'm just sitting like you listening to her. <laughs> and I am sitting and listening to her. But I'm responding, and hopefully they're listening to us. But this is what every conversation should be, whether it's with your family or friends, when comedians aren't around. Like, I say a lot of things that I don't even know if I agree with. I this say is, it. We are we, us. They, them. I identify. They, them. You know what? We got to stick with, I, here's the thing. <laughs> we have to really support the pronouns I identify as, because I would like to get to a point where I can identify as invisible. <laughs> someone's ever tried to can talk you? to me if someone tries to talk to me I could just be like I, I'm invisible you're not like and like oh sorry because that's how we act when you misgender someone now we're like sorry I got that wrong like I feel like we can use this to our advantage I do things like I'll give them signals that don't make sense to make them uncomfortable like if somebody starts saying something to me and I don't want to be involved in the conversation and, and I don't know I'll go <laughs> it doesn't mean anything but I, I go <laughs> and people go sorry <laughs> And they walk away and nobody, I know they walk over to wherever they're going and go, I don't know. I was saying something to Howie. But they got it. They got it. That I didn't want to talk about it. So you start talking to me. Like, say, start talking to me. So, um, like, what is going on over at AGT right now? Like, I feel like, sorry. And then, by the way, they're like. (laughs) I don't think he wanted to talk about it. How do you know he didn't want to talk about it? He went. But it was also like, now Howie and I have this secret. You know what I mean? And we're like bonded and I'm keeping like- I love having signals and not sharing them with others. <laughs> That's like having one walkie talkie, right? The the thing is- Dude, but it works for some reason. It always does. It, anything works. Everything works. Mm-hmm. It's how you present it. If you present it with confidence, and that's especially for comedy. Yes. You know, I, I used to I used to have bets with other friends to, you know, to go up on stage. I'm going to do a non-joke. I promise you I can get a laugh. It's about, you, now you're texting? I, no, I was just going to, the food is here and you can grab it. I can. No I, snacks. I can do. We two. have the appetizer. The food is here. Go get the food. This is I, like, a, it's, a, it's not a podcast. It's a fucking buffet. Sorry, I don't have a giant studio that has five restaurants inside it. I have but to what are they texting? People. Your food is here. No, the Postmates. Hey, maybe don't slam the doors, Ian. Wild. Well, you're worried about the sound of the door. When you've been eating snacks, you've been taking texts. And talking more with my More Kroger voice. stuff is here. There, got there. it. <laughs> this is, now, now the door's just open. We're going to hear, bring Postmates in. <laughs> bring your postmate in. I've done that before. I actually do it a lot. You bring postmates yeah, yeah, yeah. in? Have you ever converted? No one wants a... to be a postmate, you know? So it's like if I see someone who's like young and hungry, weird, they're never hungry because they eat your food. I know that. I know people that have done DoorDash and Postmates are like, oh, we always steal the food. Right. I think I know people who have used Postmate as a dating app. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes they show up in Teslas. I mean, uh, right. Fahim Anwar has And the... they have food? Do you Fahim... want to go out to dinner with somebody? They're, they bring it to you. They yeah. have a nice car. They're doing exactly... They show... What Aziz did. Right. They're <laughs> delivering. Yes. <laughs> so um, I can multitask actually pretty well. I have really bad ADD, but I kind of can sometimes do things. What else is happening right now as we're talking? <laughs> I'm miscarrying currently. I know. I can tell. But do you think that you have the this weird – I love the, the comics' um, unique superpowers that kind of no one else has. Um, I always know how much time has elapsed. You know, because we're so used to being on stage and needing to like 
I break up time differently than other people. I always know what time it is, you know? What time is it? No, I knew you were going to do that. No, no, I didn't. I, I don't know. You said we. Well, you included me with your superpower. You'd have to tell me when we started. I don't know what time it was. I, don't know. I know I got here early. I got here. Do you here feel early. like you have that? Do you feel like you always kind of yeah. know how much time has elapsed? I do. I do. Mostly when I'm uh, having sex with my wife. Honey, it's almost a minute. <laughs> it's getting close to a minute. <laughs> Gotta go. So I have that uncanny. How have you managed? How, how do you have such an incredible, healthy marriage? I don't think comics are famous for being great in I have their a, personal. I life. have a. All kidding aside, I have a superwoman. And she just understands your heart and is like patient with you. But you have you had to Sometimes work at it? Sometimes not so much. Oh, a lot. She threatened to leave me when, before I got therapy. Mm -hmm. She said, "It's I'm taking the kids and going unless you go get help." So I went and got help. So it's it's a, it takes us it takes a, a village to uh, to live with me. Mm -hmm. I'm not a, a you know I always say this to people in the audience when they want to they go it's great I go you're spending an hour with me and it seems like fun yeah and uh, it seems like you'd it'd be a joy to, but living with me is as not I a say joy. I'm uh, I'm good in small doses yes very small doses and I also don't know when to leave I'm the, if you invite me to a party you know you're going to be in your room going you go down and tell him <laughs> yes vacuum well I gotta I gotta leave on a closer. And because you guys are bombing, I, I, I got to go out on a high note. So sometimes is this I just, part of the conversation, or are you telling me now that the no. podcast is over? I don't know. What, if I'm at a I party, just got, I just got. I won't leave until I don't. You don't leave the stage until you have the biggest laugh. I, I feel like I'm wired. I can't leave the party until like something works. Oh, you don't do. I do the Irish goodbye. Uh, always, but I don't leave because I. I this is going to sound sociopathic. I know, but like I'm very. When I'm, it's so hard for me to be social that if I can't find a way to make it somewhat justified, like by like, like work, like I'm kind of an anthropologist, like I need to get a good story out of this, and I won't leave until I have a good story because otherwise. Oh, so you're writing material? Maybe you're waiting. I want to see something or learn something. If I just go to a party and everyone's just kind of, and I don't have an interesting observation, I haven't left with an interesting observation or an interesting insight or an interesting story. I will literally stay as long as I have to. <laughs> And then they went to sleep. Yeah, and, and that's then, even fun. Yeah. And then they woke up the next morning, and you should see what they had for breakfast. Yeah. There was nothing there. So I stayed for lunch. And then they got so angry. Uh -huh. Now we're the, talking. Now, now I have a good Two shoot. days yeah, later, yeah, the yeah, sun now, went down. It came back up. I got my lunch. Tonight Show story. Thank you so much for the invite. Like, I yes. just kind of have to, you know, but I'm just fascinated by that because I find that I'm really struggling. I was living with someone, and then I'm really hard to live with because I just, I, I'm very, um, I get a lot of my emotional needs met internally, and I need a lot of alone time. And someone can be telling me something really serious about their day, and I'm like, oh, my God. This and then they think I'm insensitive, or it's just... So I'm now not cohabitating, and maybe that'll work. But I'm just interested how I don't you... think my wife listens to me anymore. Smart. <laughs> she is. Smart woman. But I feel like I like to pretend that she's listening. So I'll tell her the story, and I don't really yeah, need yeah. the... Because we, with a lot of the marriage, a lot of our discussion is, honey, I told you. And here's the biggest problem about comedians. We listen when people talk. Because we're looking for the mistake, we're looking for the uh, inanity of whatever it is, we're looking for the funny, we're always searching. So it's not so much that what you're saying is interesting, mm -hmm. it's like, what can I get out of we it? We have to pick it apart, whereas right. she's smart. Most people, I think, don't listen to what most people say. They're right. kind of like half on autopilot in zombie land, right. you know, but we actually hear people and listen and break it apart. And that's, Most I think, people don't listen. part of our plight, yeah. Which is good because I know that ignorance is bliss. I think we're a mess because we heard it. We're right. hearing it. And we can't 
get over it. Yeah. What's the thing that has hurt your feelings the most in your life that someone has said or someone has, like, you know, we tend to be kind of Teflon in some ways, but I know that, you know, people can be like, you're a cunt, you're this, you're not fine, you're da 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 da. For many, many years, uh, it doesn't bother me anymore, but because I felt like I wasn't accepted in the in the comedy community. I felt like I was the the joke. I felt like even Letterman was always, uh, my name came up in the top 10 so many times as the as I was the made fun of on SNL a bunch. And I was well, like, so was I. That yeah. kind of, that didn't bother me as much, but I just felt when you don't feel that you're getting respect from your peers, when you don't have to think I'm funny, but, but sometimes just, the more respect you get from the mainstream, the less respect you get from your peers, absolutely. which is the ultimate mindfuck. Right. And I think that we are a, a sick group that needs to be, uh, that wants acceptance from people that we don't know, that we will never know. And to have that need, I always wonder what it what it's like to be the person that doesn't need to be on camera or on stage in front of strangers trying to, you know, just ultimately scream, love me, love me, yeah. love me. So when you feel that, and it was very uh, prevalent, especially in the 70s at the comedy store, um, you, you know, the dislike, you want to, you want a snack? No, I was... <laughs> What do you looking, want? It's looking for a pen. Oh, you want to? You want me to write down what I'm Put saying? It somewhere. So could, yeah. Could you just take notes for me? Thanks. Uh, all right. No, I just I had a pen and I wanted to write something down. You have so, so many things here. Forget it. I'm noticing your table too. Uh, are you going to clip your nails? <laughs> I noticed the nail clipper. I have a pretty serious um, OCD thing with digging out um, like ingrowns. Really? And I sprinkle them around the carpet. I'm joking. No, I have a pen. You saw a pen? No, no, no. I have one. I have one. I'm sorry. I'm being professional. No, you don't have it. You threw oh, it I at see me. it right there. I threw no. it at you. Yeah. No, but I have another one that someone probably threw at me. Okay. Oh my god! And while I'm down here, I'm just going. Gonna... <laughs> <laughs> Do you need a pen? Oh, I got I'm one. I'm just looking. Okay. What What were you saying? What is this stuff? What? What is this? Are you on? Um, can I ask what you're on? You don't have to tell me. What am I, uh, Zoloft? Well, because I had something fascinating happen to me where I do have Mor like Moroccan. Moroccan oil. It's a very awesome hairspray. You don't oh. need it. You know what? When I first moved to LA, I was really good friends with Jennifer Love Hewitt. She did something that changed my life. Okay, so Jennifer Love Hewitt taught me this trick. Hairspray? God damn it. Here, I have some. Thank you. There Thank you, you so much. Moroccan oil, promo code Whitney. Um, manifesting. So Jennifer Love Hewitt taught me this when I first moved to LA, mm -hmm. like, cause you know, famous actresses have all the most incredible beauty right, secrets, right? right? So right. she took some hairspray and she, she went. On her finger. Go like that. What's, I don't know what happened. Keep your eyebrows in place. Well, you just offended every gay man watching. <laughs> why? What do you mean why? I am I, a gay man. No, but you know you did, right? All the Oh my God! <laughs> All the deaf Your gay brain men. is a fucking supercomputer. Yeah. Well, I'm not. I'm just, I want to be, I want everybody to love this episode. And I know that every deaf gay man just went, fuck this. No? I'm, your brain is, is just. Are you cutting that off? Your brain is just unbelievable. Okay. It's so unbelievable. Thank you. <laughs> I was just going to ask because I went, you know, we have these kind of. What does that do? 
What did you do? It just put there wasn't a difference. No, I don't but, know. I, I, the, the fact that what you did, you believe, changed your life. The fuck. <laughs> I mean, that's what's getting me more than there is no fucking difference. You, you have now. You have your eyebrows look exactly the same as they did a second ago, and you have one sticky finger. And this they, is not a life-changing moment for anybody. Well, now it'll stay this way. Like Good. you can come on my eyebrows and they won't move around, you know, they won't. Cause is that a porn trick? Is that what is the that, girls well, in porn do? I just if I do this. Like For my, the money shot. I get it. For you know the money mean? shot. If I do this while I'm talking to you and my eyebrows are going to go up like the fucking Joker, people already think I, I'm not going to. But gonna you, I would imagine the same thing would happen if you had cum on your finger and you did that. Yeah, I could do it that way. But, you know, I swallow because I'm just a cum guzzler. <laughs> is that your nickname? <laughs> but here's what I'll say. People already think I look like Don Rickles. I don't need to fucking do this so that my like eyebrows go up. Well, you don't look nothing like Don Rickles. Why would you use that as a... You exaggerate for a living, too. <laughs> Stop <laughs> intentionally pretending you think I'm serious. This is why I love comics. I just love hanging out with comics. It's just constant. You just get constant shit. It reminds I'm not me- giving you shit. I don't, I just, I'm not giving you any shit. I'm not. You're the best. I really uh, respect you. I love what you've done. I don't know if you talk about it, but that's, I'm so bowled over. I, I know you probably don't want to talk about it, but you're, but first of all, I love your career and I love what you do. And I, you're one of the most prolific people I've ever met. And in as far the as the camera the, will be on you during this. So th- as you listen to this, she is eating a fucking ton of shit. <laughs> is that chicken? Chicken? No. Oh, what is that? Was oh, that roast like, beef? No, I'm just saying. If, well, it's on me. They don't know what's there. Um, you know what's funny? As you, I was just saying, and you have the most gorgeous house and great taste. Thank you. I also noticed that as you were walking but around, but I don't the house, taste great. Every room you mentioned, I just want this to be comfortable. I don't care about coasters. I haven't been in one room without coasters. <laughs> you have coasters everywhere. You have more coasters, not used. The drinks are all over the place. There's there, there's Starbucks, but you have stacks and stacks of coasters. Pat- in Stop. every room. I've never seen Pat laugh this hard and it's pissing me but off. But I'm saying every room had coasters. Every fucking room had a stack of unused coasters. You must, I don't care about coasters. They're not used. You have a stack of coasters. I know. Every cup, I every know. cup is, there's nothing near. Here's another coaster. Look, there's another coaster. Good for you. Ba, ba, ba. You have another. <laughs> You are exactly correct. Um, I don't, I, my friends are fucking animals. I'm trying to train them to use coasters, but it's going to be. How do you train them? The guy that came in and said, hey, if you want to drink something, here it is. And he jammed it on the table. And then started sleeping on the floor. No, that was the other guy. There's another guy that you sent up to. He said, I'm going to be in the attic. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's my Is stalker. It, he lives in the attic. He says, I have to go do something in the attic. Here's the here's the thing. Yeah. And and I would imagine if you go up to the attic right now, there's a guy the sitting addict? in the attic. Basically. Attic. Basically. Attic. He's, he's on coke. So uh, you go up to the attic right now. He's probably in the dark, huddled over, cutting out coasters. <laughs> For more rooms. She has a coaster maker. He's, he's chiseling <laughs> he's a giant chiseling. blocks of rock. I need more. She wants more fucking coasters. <laughs> Whitney wants coasters. I love, I grew up in a home that was very messy and very sloppy. I know, but you have stacks of fucking coasters everywhere. They're not under cups. And they're really good, co- they're personalized coasters. Every one of these coasters Those is- fan scent. Those are fan scent. The ones I have downstairs. You with horses. Mm-hmm, that's or my horse. It, yeah. That's your horse. Mm-hmm. And this is, fans send you coasters. Of me and my horse, yeah. Oh, you and your horse. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, oh, that's nice. Look at that. We're going to take a little break. Roman 
swipes. They are convenient over-the-counter wipes that are incredible. What they basically do is that they help you last longer in bed. This is genius. Uniquely formulated to reduce overstimulation without eliminating sensation altogether. Otherwise, they're just, you know, just use a lightsaber, you know. In 2019, there was a study that they were proven to increase time to orgasm by more than four times. All swipe orders include free uh, uh, stuff. Two, oh, two-day shipping, and they arrive in, are they going to say unmarked packaging? This is, we couldn't find this product for a while. They sent it to us. This is how it's sent to you. Your neighbors won't know. This is a miracle. This solved that problem. I feel like this is going to reduce fights in relationships by like 40%. Uh, this is a game changer. I'm so excited. Try Swipes today with our special offer just for our listeners. And the gals that listen to us, they get can get guys off fast because they're smart and they're funny and I love them all. And then guys, you want to be a fucking stud in bed? Here you go. Get 20% off your first order to get roman.com uh, slash good. GetRoman.com slash good. Your slash deserves it. It is time to upgrade your sleep. You are in your bed most of the time. Blissy. I have talked to you guys about silk pillowcases. It is the best thing on the planet for your skin because what happens is you're getting in bed and all the products you put on, it is just absorbing that and it's also giving you wrinkles. Everyone should be having um, silk pillowcases. I agree. They've been pretty trash until now. So Blissy figured it out. They have an award-winning uh, 100% mulberry silk pillowcases, okay? And I put one of them, I mean, they're in my bed and- I had one and I put it on the ground and Pat, look how Mona just went over to it. <laughs> My dog is like curled mm. up on the Blissey pillowcase. Look, and she fell right asleep. <laughs> I don't know. There's no other way to show how incredible this pillowcase is. To me, this is just like, you know, you can't say a dog's full of shit. Like dogs don't <laughs> lie, get care. Um, uh, she's not getting paid for this. Like, this is the best endorsement on the planet. You can say goodbye to wrinkly skin in the morning and wake up with healthier and shinier hair at, that you can be proud of. Blissey's pillowcases regulate temperature, keeping you cool at night. I A hot pillow makes me homicidal. It is so rude. Okay, this, the silk pillowcase, it's always like, ah, oh, just like a little bit cool. Like, ah, oh, just, and I get migraines. So I have to have the pillow be a little bit cool anyway. I take these on the road with me. Entire pillow is cool to the touch. No more sweaty nights spent tossing and turning as you search for the cool side. Oh, you got to flip it. Remember, you like flip it. And then you flip it again an hour later, but it's still hot. And you're just flipping your pillowcase. And then you're just like, I'm up, I guess. I hope whoever started this company is someone that just was like flipping. They were like, I'm just going to invent this thing because no one else will. Blissey pillowcases are made of 100% mulberry silk, which I already said, but it is hypoallergenic. Dogs aren't. That's fake, but this can be. So you can sleep more comfortably without itching uh, or rashes. And uh, I didn't know there were rashes from pillows. I've had a silk pillowcase for so long that I've never, I don't even know what this shit is. And unlike other silk pillowcases, they are machine washable and durable. Durable. With the holidays just around the corner, why not give the gift of better sleep? Plus, it comes in a gift-ready packaging that they'll be sure to love. I bring it with me everywhere. Um, that's why we never have it in the studio. But it comes in the cutest box. And right now, the one extra one I had, my uh, my dog 
is sleeping on and we're gonna have to insert that video. I love you guys. Everyone loves Blissey. They have a ton of different prints and colors they make. Um, uh, great gifts because there's an option for everyone. They have literally over a million raving fans online. And if anyone likes anything online, you know it has to be way better than good. <laughs> Try now risk-free for 60 nights at blissey.com slash Whitney and get an additional 30% off. That's blissey, B-L-I-S-S-Y dot com slash Whitney and use promo code Whitney to get an additional 30% off. Look how healthy my hair is. Look how healthy my skin is. None of it's genetic. My genetics are trash. So you do the math. Sometimes the fear is going blank. That's my probably my biggest fear. I heard on uh, recently Dana Gould told a story on Marin about how he early on went on Conan and blacked out and went, I don't know what I'm going to say next. And they end up cutting it and like fixing it, you know? And I think he started over. But Conan was like, you better be glad you did that on my show. You know, they didn't air it. But like, wow, how terrifying. Have you ever gone blank on stage? <sighs> no. I have. But I, my act is such there where I go, to be honest with you, I don't know what I'm doing right now. Wait, I did have a nightmare happen in Phoenix, as if that's not traumatic enough. Uh, I'm on stage. This was like a New Year's show. Maybe this was like 12 years ago. And I got like thrown by something. Like there was someone getting kicked out and there was like a saga and someone like ran up on stage, you know, something. And I tried to like regroup because I was actually scared. And I started a joke I had already done. I had, like I, I went into like, oh, and I went home for Christmas and this happened. And then I realized what was happening and they looked confused and I was able to rescue it. But I genuinely started a joke. I had forgotten I had done a certain joke and just went into it. On I've done that a lot. I did it. Usually when I used to do two shows a night, I would forget that I did that already. Mm -hmm. And then halfway through whatever I was telling, they go, you already told us that. I go, I know. <laughs> I know. But if it works... Go with it again. See, it will work You again. enjoyed it. Did you not enjoy it? Sometimes, dude, have, Domino's Pizza is better the second time, the second day. Right. You know, like. So I've learned to play. I always say that to people that come on AGT. If it's going bad or you get a buzzer or the crowd isn't responding, kind of try to live in the moment. You know, try to, you know, not that you have to comment about it going bad, but find something in that moment to make it real and, and you'll connect with the audience. And I learned... And if the audience knows you know... They're with you. The biggest fear is I'm watching this ice skater who's about to fall, like, put me at ease so right. I don't have to worry about you. Is If you just go, why am I bombing with this? And like, then they're like, okay, she knows. Now we can actually focus because they're so worried about the fact that you might not know. I know. So I, I want to relate. We're all human. And we, as comedians, you know, kind of celebrate our foibles. And if you are having a foible, share the foible. And uh, well, it, it makes you fallible. If you stutter, if as long as you acknowledge it, they'll be fine. So if you're like, I did earlier, I was um, like, uh, you know when you just have a great burn, you always do, but you like stutter on it or like it's pronounce something wrong. You're like, fuck, it totally kills everything. The person I was trying to roast, I just roasted myself by embarrassing myself. Like I said something earlier about like, you know, guys, like I was like on a rant about like guys, the way they dress in LA. It's like they right. got like a man bun and a V-necks and your necklace and they're, you got a roser and I, rosary. And I was just, and I went, rosary. <laughs> I was like, fuck, man. Like, now just turn into that. Like, don't pretend it didn't happen. Right. Everyone heard it. Right. 
you know? And this applies to people that are not just stand-ups. Like, you know, people now, they're always having to give speeches on Zooms and, you know, presenting their, on Shark Tank, whatever. Like, everyone can, I think, learn from the things that stand-ups have figured are, out. Uh, mistakes need to be celebrated, mm -hmm. right? Do we only get the respect we deserve when we are dead? I, well, you know, I think that the key, and it's kind of like mental health. I think the, that's a good question. Uh, but I, I don't know the answer. I just, I th Well, I think that people, uh, you don't know what you have until it's gone. I don't think that anybody feels like the cool kid. Yeah. I don't think any human being, I think as much as you think whoever is that cool kid, I would imagine if you were inside the mind of the cool kid, mm -hmm. they are trying so hard to be the cool kid so that they, because they don't feel they're worthy of being, uh, you know, uh, Or they're to, too or afraid to a, fail so they don't try at all. Right. I mean, we're all, whether you're the, the president of a bank and you're showing up in a, you know, in a $5,000 suit with a silk tie, you know, you're wearing this fucking costume that's really uncomfortable. Yeah. That wouldn't be your choice just so that so somebody, whatever somebody's, you want somebody's opinion. You need somebody's opinion. You can't look like you want to be comfortable. Mm -hmm. You can't show up in a tracksuit. Well, because then you're giving the other person power if you are look but like the, you're uh, yeah. It's all this internal work that we, we were, we're always doing. But what you learn at this stage of life is that ultimately all the respect you need it has to come from within. And all the love you need has to come from within. Happiness and is an inside job. It really is. Happiness and self-worth and, uh, you know, just uh, your own. Uh, What's your biggest fear? Like your defining fear. I know what mine is now and it masqueraded as other things for the longest time. Like I just didn't know. And I actually think that this is pretty universal and we all run around with this, but it's not identified properly. Like what's your biggest fear? Death. Interesting. Why? It's going to happen, though, for sure. That's why. So I, there's no stopping it. It's like I'm on this track and this fucking freight train is Have you read me. anything about terror management theory? Terror? Man terror management theory. No. Um, the The sort of like preeminent book on it is called um, The Worm at the Core by Ernest Becker. And it's about how, because humans, we are the only species that has like a keen understanding that we're going to die, right. that we're living in constant terror. Right. And everything that we do is... Uh, uh, basically to try to have like some modicum of immortality. It's why we love right. trophies. It's why we love family crests. It's why we, you know, like to be on teams and, you know, have rings from our college and, you right. know, stuff like that because we're so uniquely, like we're just managing our own terror. And I we know. have to d distract ourselves uh, in a way that is really... I know, I'm terrified right now because uh, you informed me that I ingested yellow number six. <laughs> That'd be good for me. Um, my biggest fear in life is being embarrassed. And I... You know, the, the dichotomy of... That is everybody's biggest fear. They said public speaking is the, is the biggest fear. But somebody who has that fear, uh, it would be easier, you would think, to hide... You've got, you've got every. But capacity. that's even more embarrassing. You're no. a coward, like for you know, yeah. No, but if nobody noticed you and nobody could judge you and nobody could see you, you have the capacity to be fruitful in other avenues of. In a weird way, I think that w when I started doing stand up, it was a way to hide because I'm hiding behind this tough ass exterior. And in it's not front me of the fucking world. Uh -huh who sees the way you look, sees the way you sound, and judges what you're talking about. And I heard this um, kind of changed my life, that comedians become comedians to control how they're embarrassed. I know it's going to happen. Let me at least get to it before they do. I'm a piece of shit. I'm that ugly. That changed your life. 
hearing that? Well, no, I mean. More than getting that sticky finger and rubbing it on your eyebrows? Because <laughs> you said that was life-changing too. So I'm, I'm, I'm learning that, you know, you're using that life-changing kind of analogy very loosely. And it's got a broad spectrum of what is life-changing. What's changed your life? The, the thing that changed my life most was becoming a parent. And I know that sounds really nope. boring, but uh, the truth is that I thought that I would grow up, have kids, and be able to teach them about the world. Nothing was more terrifying than becoming a parent. Than, I'm than, terrified. Well, because it's enough to be responsible for yourself, but to be responsible for another human being for their survival. Like, I'm worried about what would happen if I loved something that much. Like, well, I'm and then worried. the fear of, you know, everything. I, I think it was Jim Jeffries that said being a parent is uh, is just the ability to be on suicide watch all the time. You're just watching this thing. That's that, genius. Yeah, so it was Jim Jeffries. But, but... And then you learn from having being responsible for another human being that your words and your actions, how they affect another human being. And through the mirror of seeing how it's affecting this human that is growing and thriving in your life, you kind of you realize that when you go out, out into the world, the way you act and the things yeah. you say and the things you do, how people are affected. Because I think that... We don't know. And you also learn how what humanity is at its core. You know, we're not nice. We just aren't. We're not born nice. Um, when you watch a baby sitting at a table um, and, and, and there's something they like over here and they want it, and even if that other person is doing it, when you're a baby, you'll just go... And mine. you got to go, no, 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 that's not yours. Mm -hmm. Share, that's mine. You just want to take your shit. If somebody uh, annoys you, you just want to hit. No, you can't hit. You can't hit. But our instinct is to be violent. Our instinct is to Survival take. Survival at all costs. Yeah. And uh, our instinct is just to take whatever we see in our periphery that we want in the moment, you know, it, you know, uh, immediate satisfaction. And everything else that we become is kind of a learned, trained kind of... Thing. I just, I love what you're saying because I was thinking about this the other day. It's like, number one, I think that just back to the embarrassment thing, I think so much of why people can't change their minds when they have new information is because they already said something before they had the information and then they're embarrassed to have been wrong. I think so much of this stuff online of like, I believe I'm for this candidate. And then some and they're like, well, I love them even more now because they're afraid to go like, oh, I was wrong. Like, but... I, you know, I'm big on change. When you get new information, you can change your mind. That's intelligence. Well, people don't change. People don't change anything, you know? And I realize mm -hmm. also at, from being a parent that I look at my children's lives and that you're the same age as my children. So I look at your life is so different. Your world is so different than the world that I grew up in. Mm -hmm. It's It doesn't even look the same. You don't operate the same. You don't even feed yourself the same as I did. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? There was no well, such thing I as Postmates. Well, I only eat Halloween candy, so I'm not a good <laughs> No, but you know, you know what I'm saying? Like Example. everything, your form of communication, the way you do business, even the way I got into television is not the same way. You know, the, the, when I got into it, you showed up at the comedy store and that was it. You know, and if you were at the comedy store, you were going to get seen. If you had anything, you know, everybody was given a sitcom. The irony is I'm going to say something, which is I think the new Darwinism is people who behave like that. So the people that are only communicating over text, only communicating over email, those are the people who are getting fucked now. The people that show up in person, call and use the phone and do it the quote old fashioned way are the ones that aren't going to get taken down, canceled, blackmailed, whatever. So the Maybe. irony. Yeah. Maybe. Maybe, you know, there's, I, I'm open 
and curious to the new ways of doing it. I can't tell you, you know, I've been successful as a comedian. I can't tell you how much time I spend in my office with people who have a three in front of their age at the most. And, I, and I'm asking, why is this funny? And, I, and, and not that I know it's funny or mm-hmm. not that I think it's funny, but I'm looking at, why does this have 10 million clicks? Yeah. I don't even get it. And they explain it to me. And, and you, you, you know, I'm open to finding new ways of doing if things. If I may? Yes. If, sorry. If that thing was on a stage alone in front of a thousand people, would it get laughs? I think it's context is everything. If it's a little video that I'm only just watching to kill time for free, I'm laughing. But if this person did this in front of a microphone and I paid eighty dollars, it's not. But not get a everything laugh. needs to be on stage. Of course, I'm just saying it's when comics go like, "Why is this funny to everyone?" Well, because the bar is very low. You didn't pay for it. And but that's not true. The, the point is that uh, you know, uh, the Three Stooges. Most women don't like the Three Stooges. I love the Three Stooges. Okay, but most women don't. But I've been sitting, I've sat with women, I love the Three Stooges, and they go, listen, this is three guys, they're poking each other's eyes, they're hitting each other, it's slapstick. Yeah, yeah. I've talked to people, why is that funny? And if those three guys were on stage doing that today, would that get a laugh? Would that draw? Why aren't there troops of people that are slapping each other and knocking themselves out? Um, So what I'm saying is context is everything. mm -hmm. It doesn't, I don't don't give anything any less... um, gravitas yeah because it's on the internet but what i'll say is comment how many people can stand with just a microphone and make a thousand people laugh for an hour and a half i think it's six thousand two hundred and four something like that right and so that's a very small amount of people and i think sometimes our bar for what's funny is so high because people are paying to come but see But by us. the same token, when Vine was something, mm-hmm. which no longer exists, mm-hmm. I don't. I couldn't think in six-second spurts. It takes me six seconds to just even, like... Right, but there's people, like, yeah. if you look at the uh, Logan Paul, that's mm-hmm. where they came. They were Vine stars. Mm-hmm. They're able to garner... But that's uh, not stand-up. I just think that comedy and stand-up comedy are just two different things. I don't compare them to each other, because it's just no. like, you know... But I, but I am... Uh, um, amazed and fascinated about how to engage Mm -hmm. and whether that's in stand-up comedy whether that's in podcasting Mm -hmm. you know look what you're doing now when you got into stand-up comedy this didn't even exist no and here's what i worry a little bit about because there's a little bit of a mental health crisis among comedians and i think what used to kind of hold us together were the conversations we would have in the hallway with each other even if we you know like don't have the same comedy or whatever just being able to sort of corroborate your experience with someone that also has been in the same it's like it's like seeing someone that you know you were um uh, what is that at war with? What's that called? You were in my. What is that called? It? No. What's it when you were at He's war? Just about the Who? When you're in a foxhole. Well, yeah, but like, yes, yeah, so maybe someone you were in a fo- at a war with. It's like only someone that can understand what you're going through. Right. And I have this, <laughs> I have this theory that any comedian can uh, meet if they've never met before and say five ridiculous words and all of a sudden be best friends. You can sort of be like, "What's your name? Oh, uh, James from Kansas. Oh, um, uh, Chuckle Hut Penguins." Oh, wait, hold on. Uh, Marty Colner over at Rooster Tea Feathers. I know you. <laughs> like, you just have to say, and then all Well, this- you know, there is always some camaraderie where people have shared experience. And we used to do it in private in the green room, and those things gave you relief. And now we've started monetizing those conversations for but public you don't consumption. Know we monetize, but people slip into your DMs and people do that. It's just that you can, you can reach further. I mean, but you're. I you're, have found that the when glass I. The glass is half empty with you with that. 
I, I, I think it's half full. I think it's actually better now. I agree on some level because now we're like going, hey, man, I'm jealous of you. Or, hey, man, I thought you were, you know, we're working out. But I find when I go to comedy clubs now, at least the comedy store, mm -hmm. um, we I'll be having like a great conversation with a comedian. We're like, let's save it. Let's save it for a podcast. Let's not do that, you know. Mm -hmm. And it's sort of like, oh, wait, we still should also talk to each other, not monetized. Like, I, it, like even that we can reach out. Do you know Jeff Dye? Of course. Well, are you friendly with Jeff? Yes. Dye? Yeah. So Jeff Dye last. Uh, I haven't talked to Jeff Dye in three years. Yeah, I haven't seen him in person. He's hal he's him. fucking hilarious. No, he's really funny. He's I'm a hilarious. Fan. Um, last night at midnight, mm -hmm. I got a text from Jeff Dye, and it says, "Bro, are you a member at Equinox?" Out of nowhere, and I wrote back at three forty this morning. I wrote back, "I was, but not now." Do you have a cat allergy? <laughs> and I haven't spoke. I, I haven't spoke to him since. Hey, Jeff Die. Look who I'm here with. Hi, Jeff. So, yeah, what, what, I was. Uh, just, so, are you on drugs? What's up? I, I shared your text with me. She, he told me that you texted him in the middle of the night asking if he was a member of Equinox. So, are you okay? Do you need an intervention or need some money? Maybe go on Prozac. I was watching sports. It wasn't that late at night. And the person goes, uh, I was talking about how the Equinox just opened by my house. And she was like, oh, I see Howie Mandel there all the time. And I was like, oh. So I just, I, I messaged him. But you didn't tell me that. And I'm not a member. And she lied, whoever she is. But As all women but, do. But I didn't, I haven't spoken to you or seen you in three years. <laughs> you wrote... It was at 12.30 at night. I have it right yeah, here. Yeah, that's not late for me. Yeah, for comics, that's early. <laughs> yeah, okay, but I'm a grandfather. But I and, love and this so about comics. And so at 12.30, and I didn't answer you until 3.30 in the morning. But but uh, but you said, are you in an Equinox? And I went, no, <laughs> waiting for you. And I told you I have a cat I, allergy. Waiting for, and you never even said, oh, the woman that is there says she sees yeah. you all the time. You just left it. Why would yeah. you just leave it? Uh, I don't know. I probably... Uh, Hold on. He was looking for an excuse to talk to you. It's very that's sweet. That's probably true, too. Actually, yeah, when I heard your name, when she said your name, I was all excited. I was like, oh, I'll bother him. Give me what a Equinox? What, what city is it in? Uh, well, this one just opened in Studio City, but she said she saw you at a different Equinox. She used to see it at a different Equinox. Where? I don't know. The Hollywood one across from the Comedy Store, Westwood? No, we did Santa, Santa Monica. Monica. I, used to go in, I used to go in the one in Santa Monica, but I haven't yeah. been into that one in maybe four years. I haven't seen you in three years. <laughs> I haven't spoken to you in any context hey, in two years. So I'm it's sorry. good to reconnect. No, it's, we I were just... Context. No, no, no. We were just talking about how comics, we can cannot... say five words together and they're, they're connected. We cannot talk to each other for years and just... If I see you text me, I'm like, it's the first thing I'll pick up and it'll be something totally random and it's just like we've been hanging out for three years. Like, no time has passed. I do use things as excuses to reach out to comics all the time. If you look at your text thread, Whitney, I think, like, I saw a thing with, like, Dave Grohl. And I was like, oh, I'm going to text Whitney. That's cool. She's in this thing. And you didn't, and Whitney didn't answer, right? Uh, I don't remember, but that's that might check out. Okay. I answered, right? You answered me. Yeah. And then... We you have different types of OCD. But, and then I didn't it, answer him because I was busy organizing things. But, but, but you're always busy. Okay. Jeff Dye, hold on. What? Jeff Dye, I'm looking at my texts with him. Oh. That's going to be humbling for you, Whitney. <laughs> oh, boy. Okay. No, this is cute. Okay, you know you wrote Dave Grohl movie Respect. I didn't answer to that. 
And then right. you sent me a photo of my book. How long are these episodes? Yeah, I, 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 I support the people I like, you know? I bother them late at night. All right, well, we love you, and we just wanted to kind guys. of publicly shame you. It's like a Howie no Mandel marathon. I'm here for it. All right, love you. Bye. Um, okay, so I want to, we're going to put this on the screen. I want to talk really quick just about this incredible technology that, okay. um, uh, of how Pro we can sort of bring... Proto. Proto. So holograms. I got into holograms because I found this guy, David Nussbaum, online, and he has perfected. He worked for the company originally that brought Tupac to Coachella. Amazing. And then he has perfected it. And uh, I can be anywhere now in real time. I could be anywhere in real time, see the audience and uh, perform. I could pre-tape things, but I'm actually there in the room. It's so incredible. Yeah. And then you can actually he's look wearing at a... He's, got, he's from the Tiger King collection of, uh, <laughs> of cruise wear. I was totally blown away because you can be anywhere and actually see the people that are looking at the proto. So you can be at Coachella and get roasted by comedians that are at their house or in a hotel room or whatever they're doing, but we can see everything you're doing, so you're actually right. having a real- There's no latency. None. It's like three-dimensional, real-time Zoom. Let's uh, play the Paris Hilton one. This is incredible. I used to have to travel over 250 days of the year, so just having this technology is literally next level. Obsessed. But, so I'm really excited about that. So I, they moved into my building, and now I'm I'm sitting on the board, mm -hmm. and, uh, and the world is uh, is kind of taking off for us. Something so fascinating to me is about when things that are ostensibly like limitations in someone's life, or something that is seen as an obstacle or a maladaptive behavior or a limitation, then is sort of transmogrified into like the superpower. So like, don't you feel like sort of your the OCD with germs? you know, kind of led to this thing that- well, I showed you, I had a like a vision board. I, I have nothing to do with that technology, except that now I'm- But it makes company. so much cosmic sense. But that's why I uh, gravitated toward it when, because I live online. I am, uh, I have as Oprah, uh, you know, coined the phrase FOMO, fear of missing out of everything, anything. And whether it's because I need references for, uh, you know, just, being out there and mm -hmm. having a reference as a judge on AGT or as a stand-up comic or whatever I'm doing, I also don't want. I want to find all these new ways of communicating and 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 just engaging. And this way, I can engage in more than one place. If I was set up to do this, I could be here. Mm -hmm. But this could also be this conversation could be live in a theater, and we could be looking out at an audience. And take questions. And take questions right now. So you could do your, if you had a sponsor, if one of your sponsors wanted to sponsor, they could wrap that Incredible. and make it worthwhile. And then you can do you know, your uh, Good For You podcast mm -hmm. live at three theaters at once and have the audience participate. And you have a sponsor pay for that. Incredible. So it doesn't cost you anything to get there. And then you have live tickets. And they're not disappointed. The audience isn't disappointed mm -hmm. because you can really see them. And you can go, you, you right there in the second row with the red shirt. Do you have a question right now for me or Whitney? So 
and and it is amazing. I want to do even for the lobby of my stand-up shows. Yeah. I want to be able to meet go, okay, hey guys, meet and greets, but also before the shows, all the stuff that comes over the announcement that people are just so Pavlovian, like trained to not listen to, I will take photos after the show. There is a meet and greet. No need to film the set. You can't film the set. Here's why. There was merch after the show. You know, it's just all the boring ass announcements so they can walk by and I'm like, that's what you wore to the show? Okay, I'll try to not take that personally. But then sort of be able to talk to them from like just backstage or whatever. Um, I so always do that. that not before there was proto, I used to love the announcements. The announcements were always fun for me. Do you fuck with the announcements? I Not do. usually. So I always do. Like we, we have fun. So when we play theaters and, and things like that. There's sometimes the the local DJ will or the person from the theater wants to go on and do. We just have to do housekeeping. You know, yeah. welcome to the Pacific Theater. No photos. You know, ne- no, yeah. no photos. No nothing. Next week, you know, Sound of Music is going to be here. So get your tickets now. And they have the big thing. You know, and, th- and that's it. Before the show starts, they're doing the thing. We want to thank our sponsors for tonight, the uh, Glen Glens Ford. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much <laughs> for your support. You know, and and all that. So they say they're going to go out and do an announcement, and I always say, well, we have announcements too about certain things and photos and things like that. And they go, we'll do it. And I said, well, don't worry, I'll, I'll write it out for you. And then, and, no, but wait, but I, but I do, I write it. So we write it out and we, the first three lines and I hand it to him just as they, they put the lights out. The guy's going, where's your announcement? Where's your announcement? I go, I'll get them to you. I'll get them to you. But we go, we go write them in the back. And as the lights are going down, I hand them the paper. And the first two lines make sense. You know, recording Howie's show will be, is, you know, is not allowed. The fire exits are at the back. And then it made it due to code 693. And then it goes off into this. And you just have this guy on stage reading this shit that means absolutely nothing. I've videotaped it a couple of times. But we were always doing things. And then, and then the other thing that we do is after the show, the lights go up. And I'll, I'll leave my mic on, you know. And, and then I'll like I have a fight with the promoter as people are leaving. I'll go. You said you were gonna pay me. What the fuck is this? What the fuck? Or you'll hear me. I'll, I'll go into the into the bathroom and go. Fuck! I had to piss. And I'm pouring the water. You hear you hear the pissing. You hear the toilet flush. And you just see people like there's 20, 30 people left in the theater just listening to me piss. What else have we done? We did, we were always so... doing things with the with the audience. The uh, um, or the opening acts. The opening acts. I used to. Kill is uh, the what? Water pistol. I love the water pistol one. It's quick. Oh, I used to have a, I had an opening act, Lou Dinos, who, who would go out before me. And he, he was wearing this beige suit. Mm-hmm. He was wearing a beige suit. So I went, I had him go out. You got a, a, a squirt gun. And I had a squirt gun. And I said, Lou, as the lights went down, I go, you know what? I know you're supposed to do 25. Do 20 minutes. And what happens is just let me know what your last joke is going to be. And this is as the announcements. He's about to walk out in 30 seconds. And I have a squirt gun, and I'm squirting his crotch. He doesn't know I'm standing Stop! there. Stop! Yes. Stop! So he goes out. They go, ladies and gentlemen, Lou Dinos. And he walks out. He's got a huge, wet, like he just pissed himself. And he has no idea. I used to kill him horribly. I did so many things to Do you know about Liam Neeson's pissing himself problem? No. It's like a job. I bring it up all the time, which is like so mean, but I'll send you some pictures of it. Yeah. There's like lots of photos of him with fans with just like giant piss stains on his pants. Like I think he probably just drinks too much and whatever, but, or he just doesn't give a shit. I did the same thing to Lou Dinos. I, I, I had, uh, he was, we were on tour and, and I've told this story. We were on tour and he, uh, I said, you having a great time? And he goes, yeah, it's, you know, it's a little, it's a little hard because everybody's here to see you. And, you know, it's, 
I'm being honest with you, it's a, it's a little hard. So I hired a guy to come backstage and just say, you know, I'm a huge fan. I saw you on Joan. I saw you on this. He was an actor, and we told him to do this. He went around the corner. He acted really drunk. He was acting. He wasn't drunk, but he acted drunk. And then he went around the corner, and he had a can of pea soup from Kroger's, and Kroger, one Kroger. Yeah, and and uh, <laughs> he took the pea soup and he came out and he faked like he puked on Lou's shoes, <laughs> and Lou was disgusted and he goes, "Holy fuck! I got one fan that shows up and they puke on me." I was just saying this so. And I paid this guy, I paid for a plane ticket, and the next night, wherever we were, the same guy shows up <laughs> and pukes on his shoes again. And, and, and he goes, one fan follows me to two fucking cities and pukes on my shoes, and my shoes are ruined and everything. And I started laughing, and then he realized it was me. He goes, you fucked with me, right? That was a, that was a joke, right? He goes, you owe me, my shoes are ruined, you owe me shoes. I said, okay, I owe you shoes. The next day we go to, the, this was in my book, I talked about this, but we went to the mall, and I bought him beautiful size 10 leather dress shoes. And he loved them. He goes, thank you. And I'm sorry I got upset. <laughs> and that. And he goes back to the hotel. And uh, we stayed in the mall. And I bought the exact same shoes in nine and a half, nine, eight and a half, and eight. And every uh, five days on the tour, I would get into his dressing room. And I would just switch out the shoes. And then, you know, at the like after about two weeks, I see him kind of limping. He goes... I go, what's going on, Lou? And he goes, you're not going to fucking believe it. He goes, I'm in my 40s, and I, I can't tell you. I go, tell me. What are you thinking? He goes, I'm in my 40s, and my fucking feet are growing. I'm growing out of these shoes. I don't know how this is happening. And that, so the road used to be so much fun. I don't do that so much anymore. Did you ever, um, like the comedy store in, you know, like, 80s, 90s, it was sort of this thing that I just, I'm just obsessed with, like, your, like what your relationship was with it. And did you have a relationship at all with Mitzi? Mitzi, yes. I loved Mitzi. Mitzi loved me. Uh, Mike Binder brought me to the comedy store. He had seen me at Yuck Yucks in Toronto. I was out here on a business. I, uh, you know, I come from retail. I come from business. I wasn't a comedian. Carpet. Right? Carpets and, and other things too. I had these, uh, you know, I, I, I like that. I have that entrepreneurial spirit. And I was actually out here. I bought this, um, I had the rights to this Uncle Sherman uh, flasher doll. And it was this little stuffed uh, bald man. And you, it had a trench coat. And you open up his trench coat and his dick and his balls would hang out. It was like, like a joke gift, you know. And I got the rights to it for Canada and it was manufactured here in California. And then what happened is I shipped like tens of thousands of dollars worth of Uncle Sherman dolls to Canada, and they got stopped at the border because they were deemed pornographic, they had all these dick and balls. And then I made a deal with the company where they shipped all the, the dolls and then all the dicks and balls separately, and then we would uh, <laughs> adhere them in Canada. And then all the dolls got through, and then I had these cases of dicks and balls at the border that uh, weren't getting through. So I had to come down here for meetings of how we were going to get all the, the nuts and dicks into the country. So a Binder knew I was here, and he said, while you're here, you know, I can get you on. He got me on at the comedy store. And then at the comedy store, that's where George, uh, George Foster saw me. He had a comedy game show called Make Me Laugh and gave me a job on TV. And I did that. But Mitzi just said, you're so good, you're so funny, and always gave me spots. So it was Mitzi, when Joan Rivers was doing, when she was the, the queen of late night, 
before she did her talk show and she was her and David Brenner were filling in for Carson. My first opening spot was in Aspen for David Brenner. Okay, so so but she was the she was the queen. She was getting bigger ratings when she was on than Carson. And when you knew that Joan Rivers was filling in, you know, that's when America would, you know, light up and everybody would turn on the TV because you didn't know what she was going to say about Elizabeth Taylor. It was so edgy and so funny and so witty and, you know, she was just... I was born with a coat hanger in my ear. Right. You can never say it now. No, no. That's an abortion joke for the kids. They don't, they wouldn't know that Yeah, because we, we don't have, it doesn't exist anymore. Yeah, but, <laughs> and people don't know medical procedures. They don't know it is done with a coat, coat hanger. <laughs> Because a lot of the kids today have wooden coat hangers. So how do you do that? So the, so the thing... No more wire hangers was about abortion. Right. And a lot of women lock their keys in their pussies. Is that okay? Is that, is that politically incorrect? Because who are you going to call? Triple A? Like, you can just have a coat hanger and get the key out of your pussy yourself. Or do you call a tow truck? So anyway, uh, a camel tow truck. A camel tow truck. <laughs> I love that. I love that. I wish I would have said that, but you did. But anyway, the point. <laughs> and we're spiraling. Yeah. What was I? What was I? Joan about? Rivers. Everyone would tune in. Oh, so I called. Um, so she was living in New York, and then she would come out when she was going to fill in for a week, and do sets at the comedy store. She would hone her monologues mm-hmm. at the comedy store. And one week when, after I had been told by Jim McCauley, who was the booker for The Tonight Show, um, that I would never get on The Tonight Show. Johnny doesn't like what I do, and it's not the right tone for him. I said, one more shot. I called Mitzi. Joan is coming out and working this week, and she's got sets all week at 9.30. And I said, at Thursday. Was that thir- the opening spot back then? No. But that's when she went on. The show started at 7 Okay. Yeah, at the Comedy Store. She's going on at 9.30. I said the spot right before, could you put me on at, uh, at you know, 9.20, you know, right before her because there's a chance that she may see me. And Mitzi was so nice. There was no question. She goes, Howie, I'll do anything. Yes, I'll make sure. And it'll probably run late, so Joan will come in and she'll definitely, don't worry, Howie, she'll see you. And I went there, and she saw me and gave it to me the first time she saw me. She just said, you know, you're very funny, young man. Have you ever done The Tonight Show? And I said, this is my birthday week. It was November. And she said, well, call Billy. Oh, that's, that's, I'm doing Mitzi. I can't do Joan. Oh, we got that. But, but call, call Billy Samoth. And I called Billy Samoth the next day, who was her manager. Remember Billy? Did yeah. You, you saw him. I knew Avi, yeah. It was yeah, in, the in, the, in the documentary, documentary. where he quit. He di- well, the he, one that disappeared, right? He disappeared. And he became a barista. And she had to let him go because he was just... He's a barista. Where? At Starbucks. That's where he left. Still now? No, he passed. Oh. But he was a great, colorful character. Half the people that work there seem like zombies, so... Yes. Is that a, a reference to the fact that he passed? Yeah. <laughs> yes. A lot of people passed. A lot of my contemporaries this in this past year have passed, which is uh, heartbreaking. I was probably the last person to talk to Gilbert Gottfried. Mm. I was talking to him when his wife was calling 911 to put him in the ambulance. When I'm, pro- I'm the last comic to talk to him, you know. But that was heartbreaking. I loved Gilbert Love and Bob best. and uh, Louis. And now it's just winding down to nothing. Can I just tell you a joke that a brilliant comedian named Dan Mintz said about um, this is how we process grief, okay? Like when Saga died... 
you know, we were all like, yes, he would want us to be fucking making jokes, you know, but it was just too much. But I, I the only thing I could think about was when, um, you know, Saget's, as you know, his sister had a horrible disease called scleroderma. Yep. And it's a disease that like eats your skin right. until it just eats you alive. It's just mm-hmm. your skin hardens. It's just it's awful. Not nice. Not nice. And one time we were at the Bowery Hotel um, in like the lobby eating. And I was like, you know, like we had just come up for a show. I was like starving. I ordered like lasagna. He orders like whatever he orders. And I With said, a silent G. Oh, because <laughs> I, fuck, I st- it's my favorite quote that I never get right because of my fucking dyslexia. So I, he, we're, he's talking. I go to take a bite out of my lasagna. And he goes, hey, don't eat my sister. Oh, my God. Oh, my <laughs> like, God. I I'm know. just, it's like. It just, I always think of that, and I know that that's, you know, he'd want us to joke. He'd but. want, he would joke. He went through a lot of pain in his life. He really, he lost Wild. everybody, you know, and Heartbreak. friends, and, yep. you know, but he was just, and that is what comedy is. There isn't too soon, and that kind of brings us back to what we started talking about. And But uh, what what happened was, like, you know, when when comedians pass, there's conversations that we have with each other on the phone to cope, and then there's what we have to tweet. But um, Dan Men's brilliant comedian, because you know he did, he died the same week as Meatloaf. Dan Men's? No. Oh, uh, sorry, sorry. No, Louis Anderson died Lou- the same week as Meatloaf. Okay. And Dan so- said, um, Meatloaf died of COVID, and Louis Anderson died of Meatloaf. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. That's how we get through it, oh, you God. know? Are you leaving? No. Trying a candy corn you want? No. On the floor? No. Oh, do you want some ball um, washer? The no. Manscaped, are they a sponsor for you? No. What are you looking for? What is that? That's a sunscreen. Oh. I thought you I don't. So many I thought you won't touch anything. Give me that. What? This? Yeah, yeah that. This is this is a hairspray that doesn't work. I know. You don't want that. What do you need? Nothing. It's not going to work. You saw me do this. Here. Look at this coming in. You need to take the Moroccan oil. Hairspray. What's that? Oh. Hold on. Oh, use this. Fuck. They're all broken. Here. Oh, wait. You know what? Actually, use this one. Is that hairspray? Mm-hmm. Good. No, it's not. Is it? <laughs> no. Rita has on root concealer. Shit. Touch-up spray. Shit. What? It would have come out brown, what? and I was hoping that you would. <laughs> I was going to do that. See, you can't break a prankster. Huh? Watch how your life changes. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> so I, <laughs> at first I didn't think it was anything, but I mean it's like <laughs> they're not going to go anywhere. <laughs> Sorry, I'm just emotional. Go ahead. I know how much you love Mitzi, and I um, was in her office the other night, and uh, it. <laughs> You might just be crying because of the actual aerosol you just put on your head. <laughs> I hate you. It's not the same. I was making fun of it. Oh, God, I hate you. I love you. I love Jennifer Love Hewitt. <laughs> I'm gonna get to the sincere moment. I'm gonna get to it. We just—it's how a much more sincere can you be? <laughs> this is the most disgusting thing I've ever done. My eyelids are now stuck. This is the most 
it's like yeah, it's pulling him up a little. <laughs> He's a little yeah. eye lift. But I know what now. I know what a, a woman in porn feels like after they yell "cut." This is all sticky and everything is just. I need a shower. Go ahead. Go ahead. Let's bet. let's get sensitive. I know. I know how much Mitzi uh, meant. I know how much you meant to her. I sent you the other night that picture. That was cool. Yeah. That Hollywood Reporter picture yeah. that she has in her office. Oh my gosh. And very few people have been in her office um, since she passed, and no one's touched anything. Um, and I went to her storage unit, and there's a lot to sort of figure out. But I wanted to give you some things from oh, her wow. office that I Are think you, you might like. So this was her original stationery. Oh my god! From from Mitzi. The late seventies. That was the stationery she Look, used. From Mitzi. Mm -hmm. I've gotten notes. I've gotten notes from Mitzi giving me. Oh my gosh! Isn't that cool? That's so. You're giving. Can I? Do I keep this? Yeah. You're this amazing. For you. These so, are. I, people have to know if you're not in comedy what Mitzi Mitzi was the the grand madam of comedy mm -hmm. uh you know um a lot of these young un unknown comics became known jimmy walker and freddie prince and richard pryor richard pryor sam kinnison yeah and everybody who's anybody that anybody who's listening to this or watching this right now knows so mitzi you know is responsible for all of us i was there one night when they brought this young girl from uh, new york to audition for Steven Spielberg and a bunch of other directors, and her name was Whoopi. And she got, that night she got uh, the color purple. That night they said they're gonna put her in the movie, and that, that kind of made her. So the, you saw these epic moments happening, so this means a lot to me, thank you. Uh, real quick, Whoopi Goldberg would, was, you know, all these comics that you think of these like badass ball busters, if Mitzi was around, it's like, this is who, the people that are scared of nothing were scared of and admired more than anyone. Oh, she anyone. was this tiny little powerhouse. Tiny little powerhouse that she would have these big bows like Minnie Mouse. And, you know, it was just like she used her femininity in a male-dominated environment. This is my favorite podcast ever. Thank you. Thank you. This is really, this is, you're amazing. You're a beautiful person inside and out. Here, if you want to put them things, in here. Um, here, I can do it if you want. No, I'll do it. I'll do it. You don't have to do That's really cool. I'm not... No tongue-in-cheek. This is really cool. It's. I cannot wait. I'm going to put this. And there's more to come, you know, And uh, but wow. I just thought it was so neat. Um, this is so cool. I just, um, I'm such a giant fan. The podcast that we did together is coming out soon too, right? Tuesday. Next week. Great. Oh, next week. Oh, awesome. Okay, so that this will probably come out right after that. So that's a perfect uh, way to consume both of them in the order that they were actually film so I like that thank you I end these very awkwardly don't ride elephants pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks oh yeah that's me Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Get a creamy Oreo frappe or McCafe smoothie for less with 20% off any purchase of $10 or more. Only on the app. Limited time only at participating McDonald's. Valid one time per day. Visit McDonald's app for details. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. -ba -ba.